Episode 61, Sunday, December 30th, 2012. It's time for the XJ Talk Show. Now, here's my two favorite boys, Tony and Josh. <laughs> I survived Christmas. Josh, did you survive Christmas? I made it through unscathed. Well, not unscathed, because you're not feeling very well tonight, are you? Well, yeah, I guess uh, I'm not 100% well, but I'm, I'm here and, uh, and I'm ready to do this. Well, thank you very much for being here. And guys, this is XJ Talk Show, or the XJ Talk Show, depending on how you like to say it. And uh, we're here because of the uh, premier Jeep Cherokee Forum, <laughs> XJTalk.com, where we talk about Jeeps, uh, Cherokees, uh, I'm sorry, Jeep Cherokees, not not the Indians, and uh, off-roading and you know, tips of uh, uh, Jeep tips, electrical tips, uh uh, beef tips at times because I think we all like beef. And uh, my name is Tony. My uh, nickname on uh, xjtalk.com is Mudderoy. And my co host is Josh, uh, also known as NW99XJ or also said uh, as Northwest99XJ. If you don't know what an XJ is, you might be in the wrong place. Yes, XJ is a two-letter designator that Jeep came up with. Why did they even do that? Are they copying Toyota or something, you know, with the FJ? Uh, you know, what's the story behind that, Josh? Oh, no, no. Jeep was definitely first, long before Toyota came on the scene. Uh, I mean, this starts back in, uh, in the days of the Willys and stuff. Um, yeah, geez, I forgot the designation of the uh, the old the old Willys, the military Jeeps. The MJs, um, people originally will think military Jeep. Mm-hmm. But the MJs, I think, are the like the postal carrier jeeps, which kind of sort of look a little military-ish. I think that style uh, was used back in the military. And oddly enough, the old school military or the the male jeeps are a unibody, just like our Cherokees. That's something that people might not know. Wow, I did not know that. I did not know that. Anyway, um, uh, we also are streaming live on UStream. If you guys aren't familiar with uh, with the live portion of the show, that's the uh, the portion of the podcast, uh, the first part, where Josh and I are talking about things, and uh, we do that live every Sunday night at 10 p.m. Central Time. And uh, I see that we have uh, uh, Brass Cats uh, doing our moderation tonight in the chat room. Uh, Ms. Borenberg, who's been here before, but not for quite a while, usually because of his uh, job duties and getting to work at 6 a.m., which means he has to get up and wake up the roosters. And uh, Super Croc, uh, XJ Wheeler. And I think uh, Wayne from uh, New Zealand uh, just joined. Uh, welcome, Wayne, and from Down Under. Uh, I like that. You know, you can actually tell, say hi uh, Down Under to, to a guy and not feel funny about it. Yeah, it's great to have that, that global listenership. So to all of you around the world, thanks for tuning in and glad you're here. Yep, and that's uh, that goes for the podcast as well because it's a worldwide audience. Uh, 
In fact, if, uh, if you listen to the XJ Talk Show, we'd like to hear from you. And uh, gosh, you can uh, give us a call on our uh, 24-hour-a-day, seven-day-a-week uh, hotline. I just made that last part up. And uh, leave us a voicemail message. It's 530-675-4102. It's just voicemail. Uh, get on there and tell us what you think about the, uh, about the show, um, what you like, what you don't like. Uh, use bad language if you'd like, because I like ble- bleeping things out. It's uh, 530-675-4102. You can call it now. Um, and if you use your call on the show, you will have the chance of getting nothing. <laughs> no, you'll get a warm fuzzy. <laughs> yeah. and so we're, and what's, we're, uh, and what's going on with uh, with your Jeeps? <laughs> I heard uh, that you spent some uh, some time uh, here recently working on multiple rigs. Is that true? I touched every Jeep, um, literally touched every Jeep because I, I had to move them around in the in the uh, in the driveway because uh, you know get each one in the inside the garage. Uh, but uh, actually. Um, you guys may be aware, God, let's see, yeah, yeah, that's right, because uh, last week's show, we talked about uh, my uh, misadventures with the uh, the bad wheel bearing that I actually had to call AAA and get a tow home, so uh, I didn't get in a big hurry to, to fix the problem. Uh, I thought about it a lot, but uh, mainly I was waiting for some uh, additional parts to show up. It wasn't anything I needed to actually uh, repair, that I needed for the repair, it was an add-on. I was actually getting the uh, uh, Alloy USA uh, uh, seals uh, for the uh, the Dana 30. And those came in on Thursday. I was expecting them from Amazon.com on Wednesday, but they didn't come in until Thursday. Of course, there was a lot of uh, bad weather in the uh, in the nation, so I'm sure that had a lot to do with it. Uh, and, and also, to Christmas. I'm sure that was a, a big day but, uh, for uh, UPS. But anyway, it came in Thursday, which, is, which was fine. I didn't really feel like messing with it. So... Friday, I uh, I did get uh, get my lazy ass outside and uh, and work on the Jeep, and uh, it, I was actually quite surprised that there was not really any damage to the um, to the Jeep other than uh, the wheel bearing assembly. There was some scraping uh, that had happened on the uh, the knuckle on the uh, the passenger side of the Dana Thirty. And uh, it actually collected a little nugget of metal. Uh, it, it must have formed uh, hot and congealed, but it was actually a, a nice, good-sized little nugget of metal that was uh, the only thing I could think of where it came from because there was no big chunks out. It was just something that that gathered in the rotor as it turned. And uh, uh, gosh, it was, uh, it, was, it was kind of the weirdest thing I've ever seen. But anyway... Um, I was able to uh, get that uh, wheel bearing off and uh, get the new one on. Uh, I, I, <laughs> I recorded it, made a video, and uh, uh, it, basically it was a follow-up of the, the video I did from last week uh, and how was your day. Um, this was the repair. So I spent about five hours recording uh, the repair, and I, I was able to edit that five hours of video down from multiple sources, multiple camera sources, I was able to edit that down to about nine minutes. <laughs> so I spent more time editing the video than I did working on replacing the wheel bearing. And in the video, it only shows me replacing one wheel bearing and testing the wheel bearing uh, on the driver's side, which was also bad, just not as bad. Uh, but I did replace both wheel bearing assemblies and install both uh, of the uh, um, Alloy USA 
uh, axle seals. So all that's done, and uh, somebody gave me some grief on xjtalk.com because I didn't torque the uh, axle uh, nuts, you know, the, the, the really big nut that goes on the end of the uh, wheel bearing assembly. And uh, uh, I guess it just kind of pulls tight the, the axle uh, up into the uh, wheel bearing assembly. You know, it may be that I I tightened it more whenever I uh, it may be that I even torqued it way back when whenever I put these the 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 wheel bearings that I had taken uh, off the the Jeep last Friday. Uh, it may be that I had torqued those you know two three years ago you know eighty nine thousand miles prior. I don't recall doing that. So. I, I was pretty sure that I didn't torque the ones on the 99 because I did those recently because they were uh, making a grinding noise and, uh, you know, causing a, a general ruckus. Um, so I, I replaced those maybe two months ago. And uh, I know I didn't uh, do anything except uh, use the um, half-inch <clears throat> half impact uh, air tool to, to tighten up that, those nuts on uh, the 98. So anyway, I got out there today and actually um, – broke down the 99 and got the torque wrench out and torqued those things to 170 uh, pounds and did the same thing with uh, the 98. So, um, you know, I, I guess any potential problem there, there would have been uh, on the 99 is going to manifest itself because it's the, the, the Jeep's been driven for, you know, two months or three months or however long it's been. Not a lot, but, uh, so anyway, but I, I've tightened those up. They're not making any noise. They're doing fine. They're not wiggling. And, uh, the 98, uh, I, I'd never even got it out of the driveway, uh, from, uh, Friday, whenever I put the, uh, when I installed the wheel bearing assembly. So, uh, that one should be considered just like it was, uh, installed properly the first time. Anyway, so, uh, I think that would have been a lot more impressive if I could have said all that without taking a breath. Um, <laughs> so what's your, what's your, um, what's your opinion on those axle seals now that you have them in hand and, and you've got to play with them a little bit and, and put them on, uh, what, what's your, what's your thoughts on them? Uh, they're real pretty. Um, uh, they're aluminum, uh, I guess brushed aluminum and, um, they're nice. Uh, I was a little disappointed at first because I put them in and, um, it was leaking, um, diff fluid nice purple royal purple uh diff fluid and it's spendy diff fluid too and it was uh it was coming out between the uh, inner seal and the axle and uh that kind of confused me um and then i remembered that i needed to uh hook up the grease fitting and pump it up so i thought okay well obviously that's that's the reason why it's leaking i need to uh, I've installed the axle. Now I need to uh, hook up the the little grease gun to the grease fitting and and fill that up with grease. And now it's gonna it'll stop the seal. I mean they'll make the seal. And uh, so I had uh, I, I saw this uh, after I took the driver's side off, and then that's when I noticed that the passenger side was leaking too, because it was up at an angle. It was actually uh, angling towards the uh, passenger side. So I went over there to try to uh, grease that one, and I couldn't get the grease gun on the the fitting. It was too close to the uh, the tube on the or the I guess where the um, 
whatever whatever you call that end piece. It's not the it's not the knuckle. It's the piece the knuckle goes onto. You know the metal piece that that oh. sticks out the tube and and the, yeah. the the Y piece there. So it was actually uh, too close to that uh, to the the tube to get the the grease fitting on it. So I had to uh, actually use a screwdriver to pry the um, the seal out a little bit, and that was a little nervous because um, it's aluminum. But I'm I was using the the grease fitting to to do the prying on, so I was waiting for that to snap off, <laughs> and I was trying to do it really easy, just enough so I could get the grease fitting on there. And I, I I did manage to get it out far enough to where I could um, get the grease fitting on. I had to hold the grease, uh, the grease uh, hose and the little what do you call the end of the 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 clamps onto that grease fitting. I actually had to hold it, well, put some pressure on it so that it would actually uh, force the grease uh, inside the 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 seal and not ooze out on the outside. Got, I got a lot on the outside, so the outside's doing really good where where I don't need it. Yeah. But the uh, the other side, <clears throat> I didn't push in as far because I I saw that the what the problem was, and uh, you use RTV to to make the seal, and I guess the RTV also keeps them from spinning, uh, which hmm. is which is something I've heard is a uh, is an issue with these things that they can actually start spinning and leaking because the um, the outer portion of the the bearing gets you know rubbed away, so they they start leaking. And uh, I guess I can understand how that could happen if you don't take the time to clean the inside of the tube and get rid of any debris, rust, uh, anything that would uh, hamper the um, RTV from uh, adhering between uh, the uh, the seals uh, and and the tube itself. So I went to a lot of trouble with some uh, steel wool as they as they recommend. Uh, to clean that and uh, it did pretty good. I mean, it's in the video. Uh, if uh, if you haven't looked at that, I, I recommend you guys go and have a look at that video. I'm pretty proud how uh, how that turned out. I think it's uh, uh, short enough to be interesting, and uh, that's always a hard thing to do when you take a video because uh, uh, most of it's interesting to you. And, and, and you know, if you get bored with it, you know it's uh, horribly boring to other people. It's I guess it's a lot like tra- travel pictures and travel videos. There. <laughs> You know, let's, hey, let's pull out last year's trip and show you. Oh, no. And so uh, that video can be found on the XJ Talk YouTube channel. Yes. And, uh, it, you know, I don't have the link right up, but if you just do a search on YouTube for XJ Talk or if you go over to xjtalk.com and look at the little icons at, near the top of the page, there'll be a, a YouTube icon that you can click on and it'll take you over there. Well, I uh, did some tinkering myself on the uh, on the Jeep this uh, over the last week or so. Uh, finally, replaced uh, some windshield wipers that were they were about due, and uh, did all three. Uh, the back was no exception; that had been long overdue. So, and uh, topped off. I got a great deal on some uh, some new windshield washer fluid. So, when topped that off because my light had been on for a few days, I've got I got a late model. I have a '99 XJ, obviously, uh, and uh, it's got that little you know, washer fluid warning light, the idiot light that comes on. So and it had been on for a couple of days. So I finally got some new fluid, topped it off. And um, being December um, and being as my hands were full with all kinds of other projects and other things going on, I kind of, uh, la- it lapsed my mind that my, um, my registration, my tags expire this month. So mad dash here this, um, this last few days to, to 
get myself um, prepared and over and ready to the um, to the DEQ to go get um, inspected and uh, and get my new tags. I also needed a new OHV permit. That's off highway vehicle. Uh, we need a permit here to to wheel off of um, off road and on most of the trails here in Oregon. And uh, and so I uh, I had to get one of those as well. So uh, went down. I was going to do it today. And it slipped my mind that the DEQs are closed today. So, um, and lo and behold, as soon as I went to um, to go do it, uh, my check engine light came on. So I'm like, what the heck? You know, just just my luck. You know, I go to do something with the Jeep um, that requires, of course, it be running in tip-top shape, and the check engine light comes on. And they won't touch your Jeep with the, uh, with the check engine light on. So I... Um, I go to a, a local shop um, that uh, advertises they'll they'll read your codes for free. So I um, had them read the code, and it was um, what was I, I forgot I had it written down somewhere. I think it was like thirty fifteen or something like that. Uh, whatever it was, it was the um, number one O2 sensor, upstream O2 sensor. Oh, good. So yeah, yeah. Thankfully, it wasn't anything major, and so I was like, okay, well, cool. I still had the alternator, uh, my core that I hadn't taken back. Um, yet, so I had a core charge, um, coming to me. Uh, so I, uh, made a beeline for, for Napa and returned my, uh, my old alternator and got my core charge back and that ended up paying for my, uh, my O2 sensor. And I actually got three bucks back. So I got paid three bucks kind of, uh, to, to get a new O2 sensor. That was a nice tip. Yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so, um, come home and, wait, 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 uh, wait, 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 wait. How much, how much was that O2 sensor? Oh, it was uh, was there like 60, 60 and some change. Okay, good. Because there's like, under seventy bucks. They're like there's like, they're like around right around seventy bucks here for the Bosch. Yeah, that and that's um, the Bosch was a little bit more expensive, um, and they they didn't have it in the store that I was at. They and they could have gotten it from their warehouse um, uh, later in the day or or later in the week. And I was like, well, you know, I'll just I'll take the OE replacement. So. Um, Pick that up, and uh, I have a Bosch on the downstream. I replaced the downstream um, a year or two back uh, with a Bosch. But uh, so the upstream needed to replace. Get home, and um, I uh, spray it down. I let it cool off for a little bit, and I uh, douse it liberally with uh, with some PB blaster, thinking that it was going to be very solid and dang near you know welded in with rust because I was assuming it was the original one. I'm pretty sure that it was. So I, uh, I get to wrenching on it and it just, it spins right out. I, I almost could have taken it out with my hand and I was like, okay, well, you know, that's interesting. And I get two spins, um, into it and the wires just come off of the actual plug side. And I was thinking, they literally just fell out of the plug that you could see the, the wires were still stripped a little bit. It's like the, all the solders or, or the crimps of the pins inside the plug all failed at the same time. I don't know what it was. It's the strangest thing I've ever seen. I took a bunch of pictures of it, and I'll post those up here. Uh, yeah, good. Here. That's really strange. And yeah, you, and no idea. Expect, go ahead. I'm sorry, and no idea how that happened. No, I would. I would expect maybe one, maybe two, but to all four all look identical. Where there, it's the same amount of wire that that's exposed. It's, it's, they're all at the same spot and everything right at the plug. And I, so I, I took the plug I you know, you got the engine side and you got the sensor side. So I, um, uh, I took the sensor side off what was left of the plug and, and it just, it started falling apart in my hands. 
I mean, it wasn't like paper. It wasn't like dried paper or anything. I mean, it, it wasn't crumbling, but I mean, like the clip, the locking clip just fell apart into pieces as I, as I took it off. And so it's, they're probably not meant to go 200 some odd thousand miles. I was going to ask you if this was the original one. It, it had to have been. That's the only thing I could think of. I honestly, I don't know. I haven't swapped it out since I've owned the Jeep. So I'm just assuming that it's, that it's the original one. Um, in any case, uh, it probably has something to do with obviously why the check engine light came on. I would imagine those wires were just hanging on by a thread. Good, if, good job ECU for correct, uh, <laughs> correctly identifying a problem. <laughs> and probably might even have something to do with the, you know, 11 and a half miles to the gallon that I've been getting lately. So I, um, I, I'm glad, I'm glad it, that's all it was because I, I hate seeing that check engine light come on. And, um, cause it always, it always freaks me out that it's something, you know, major mechanical and I'm glad it was just a sensor. So, um, uh, swap that out. Um, I cleared the, uh, the adaptive memory. I, um, went through that procedure and, uh, and let the Jeep warm up. And of course, you know, let all the PB blaster and, and, you know, grease that got smeared and smudged burn off the exhaust. And, and so there's a little bit of a smoke show in my driveway, um, this afternoon while I did that. And I, uh, after that was done, I, um, I took it for a nice little test drive and, um, uh, really, really happy with the, the performance is back now. It idles smoother. Uh, I'm, I probably should have done this a long time ago, but obviously, you know, if it ain't broke, don't fix it sort of thing came into mind. Yeah, I understand that. Uh, it's just really, really funny, uh, how Murphy's law kicks in. You need to get it inspected. And of course the check engine light comes on. Um, just amazing. You know, you were talking about the, the panic situation and I understand why you would be, you know, because of the, the inspection alone, but, um, it reminds me of uh, some of the commercials I've seen on television, not recently, but in the past where, uh, companies, uh, looking to profit off of people will make a, a lot, uh, a lot to do about the check engine light. They'll, uh, you know, they'll warn you like, um, my encounter states check engine light. You're going to die, you know, and, <laughs> um, maybe it's just the Jeep. Maybe it's just the vehicles I've had. I do know that a check engine light can indicate a very serious problem, but in my experience, 99.9% of the time, it's something very simple. It's a sensor that is, that has failed in some way, whether it be falling apart or, just gone bad and the sensors uh at least on the jeep i think the most thinking about this i think the most expensive sensor are the o2 sensors i don't think any of the rest of them um i can't remember how much the uh iac was but i don't think it was as much as the as the o2 sensors i think the o2 sensors are are the most expensive thing and I can't remember if it's the 2000 or 2001 or maybe both years that have four of those things. Yeah, I think it's the, Ooh, yeah, I know the 2001 for sure. I can't remember the 2000s. Yeah, they, they have them actually on the, uh, uh, on the exhaust manifold, I think. Yeah, they kind of got a, like a split man, uh, exhaust manifold, I believe. Yeah, a little, uh, there's pre, pre-cats up there. The little, um, little exhaust manifold catalytic converters. Most guys end up uh, swapping those out. They just take those out. Yeah, but they still got to run the same number of O2 sensors, don't they? 
Um, I think there's a mod from what I understand. Um, there's like a diode that you, you get, you got to match resistance and you just throw it in line and it, and it confuses it. You kind of lie to the ECU and, uh, and tell the computer that the computer makes, you know, it makes it think the computer's, um, seeing the O2 sensors that are there still. Oh, okay. Well, uh, I would think that more O2 sensors probably would help, uh, help the ECU make corrections, uh, better. And give you better gas mileage, which I'm, which I would think that's why they did it that way. Well, I'm hoping so because uh, I'm tired of 11 and a half miles to the gallon, frankly. <laughs> well, I'm I'm aspiring to 11 and a half miles per gallon since I've got the new engine in there. I haven't seen anything better than uh, 10 and a half. Oh wow, really? Yeah, but uh, no. I, I I was going to do it today, but uh, I didn't. I still need to replace all the spark plugs in there because. Uh, uh, Matt and I broke a couple of them. Uh, and when I say Matt and I, I mean, Matt, um, broke a couple of them when we were trying to, uh, uh, check the engine compression, Matt gets in a big hurry. <laughs> He's fast. When we, when we changed that engine. And when I say we, I mean, Matt, uh, he was just balls to the walls, uh, taking the, the old engine out and getting the new engine in. I mean, it was very quick. Uh, but you got to keep him away from spark plugs because he will go, ape shit getting those things out of there <laughs> well i think he just earned himself a new nickname spark plug <laughs> <laughs> no it's it would be crack crack <laughs> hey i think i broke another spark plug <laughs> i said i said matt let me let me do that <laughs> let me do those see i learned the i learned the hard way because uh it's partially my problem uh because i don't have the the special socket that has that that rubber crap in there that, you know, the ones that you, the, the actual spark plug uh, sockets that you, you put on the spark plug and then you spend the next 15 damn minutes, get the spark plug out of it. Yep. <laughs> so I just use regular uh, deep sockets uh, to, to get the spark plugs. And that means you have to be very careful uh, with the long extension, keeping it centered on the, uh, on the spark plug. Otherwise you're going to crack it. So we, we've got two, I think it's two spark plugs in there that are old, uh, old spark plugs. So, uh, I need to get all those changed out. I do have a whole new set. I need to, to gap them all and, uh, and replace them all. And, uh, currently the, the plan is to do that tomorrow. Very good. Yeah. I think, uh, after the new year, I'm going to, I'm going to look at doing a tune up myself. It's, um, it, it's been probably close to a year, I think. Uh, and, and I like to stay on top of that sort of thing. I'm going to at least fresh, freshen up the plugs. And uh, I go in and and, uh, and freshen up the the cap and the rotor. You know, I'll go in there with a little bit of sandpaper or something and take care of some oxidation and and build up and stuff that is accumulated on the uh, on the contacts. Um, you know, after a while. But the uh, the plugs I've I've been ignoring for a little while, and I think they might be due. Uh, I'll go in there and at least check them out. Um, and if I mean if they're clean, they don't look fouled, uh, and the electrode isn't um, you know isn't uh, malformed or anything like that. Uh, or you know, completely burnt up. I'll um, I may just go ahead and regap them and, and put them back in. But I mean, the plugs are so cheap nowadays. I mean, it is, and you don't need anything fancy for these uh, these four liters. Oh, they don't I'll, like it. They don't like fancy. No, no, I've heard that too. I've heard these guys. They you know they'll go in and they'll throw those E three you know platinum tri you know electrode things <laughs> yeah. in there and and uh, they get mixed results. You know, some guys say yeah, the Jeep has never ran worse. And there's guys, you know, these they'll throw in some NGK copper spark plugs. I mean, bottom of the line. And these things are basically fire, you know, tractor engines. You know, they don't need anything fancy. No, it's it's actually nice uh, because of that. 
And uh, you'll see it time and time again, uh, not only on xjtalk.com, but on the uh, the other Jeep forums uh, when people be asking, because I, I, probably because they've watched uh, trucks or uh, extreme oh, yeah. 4x4 or something where they're, they're pushing the E3s. And uh, they'll uh, they'll ask about that. You know, they they would they love the idea of better fuel economy, uh, more power, um, all that. And uh, time and time again, nope. Put the cheap champion plugs in there. The yep. just the truck champion plugs. Don't get the coppers. Don't get the uh, the ones with the LED lighting. <laughs> <You> <laughs> know, <laughs> whatever. I'm making that last one up. Uh, just get the the cheap plugs. So. Uh, and I've never seen a, a, an improvement. I think I tried uh, when I got the um, the high performance uh, firewire kit to go on mine because I was uh, trying to improve the uh, the fuel economy uh, a couple of years ago, and I uh, thought I would give it a try and did a write up. They actually call for some platinum plugs, and uh, I, I you know I was following exactly what they said, and uh, it, they were just horrible. Now. Uh, it was really strange. I was able to trace it down to whether or not I had, it would, it would run really rough, like it was missing. And I was able to trace it down to, uh, if I had the, um, the non firewire, um, not plug wire, the, the, the wire that goes between the, um, transformer and the distributor. If I, if I put like a stock, not the stock, but a, like a stock, uh, cable in that spot it would run fine <laughs> if i put the firewire on there it wouldn't it would miss it made absolutely positively no sense and and the the fine folks uh, at the the firewire thing they sent me basically a whole nother kit trying to f- trying to diagnose the problem which That's we strange. yeah which we eventually gave away uh, as a uh, as a giveaway item on uh, xjtalk.com uh, but anyway um I, I was able to trace it down to a uh, CPS uh, cam. Um, I was trying to think what the C stood for. Crank position sensor that I had bought uh, new off of eBay for about forty bucks, and it ran fine as long as I had a a, a stock um, ignition system, uh, if you will, on there. But when I upgraded it. Well, actually, about 95% of the ignition system could be the firewire, <laughs> just that one that one cable. And when I hooked up that one cable, it wouldn't run properly. And it wasn't, the, it wasn't the cable because I had two of them. And it wasn't the transformer because I had two of those. So <laughs> anyway, I changed just, I don't, I forget exactly why. I mean, that's, that's back when I was getting into uh, looking at the uh, cam position sensor and the distributor. And making sure that little hole was lined up on top dead center and all that stuff. That's I was doing all that because of that. I was trying to diagnose why that thing was acting that way. So um, once I, I replaced the, the the crank position sensor, it ran fine with the firewire. But I didn't see any improvements uh, in gas mileage. Go figure. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> all that and not a single mile per gallon better. Well, it was running the best it could. It, it, there was an improvement and also too, they say that you can gap those plugs up to, and I'm, this is, this is a year or so back. So I may be remembering wrong, but that you can gap them up to 65 thousandths. That's almost double. Yeah. That's, I think that's over double. No, I no, it's 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30
70. Okay. Yeah. So it is almost double. So I think you could go up to 65 thousandths and, uh, you know, I, I have, I haven't put the, the firewire system back on my motor. I might actually put that on tomorrow because I can, I have all the bits and, Just for and giggles and see what, see what happens. Yeah. I mean, you know, uh, and gap it at 65 thousandths. The only thing is, is that I'm, I, I'm not going to put the platinum plugs in there. I'm going to use the champion plugs. Yeah. Cause I got time. Uh, I got time tomorrow. I don't, I actually don't need to drive my Jeep until Wednesday. So if it, uh, if it doesn't act right, I can, uh, let's let it sit and change it out, uh, on new year's day. Well, I was flailing around. I mean, uh, the tags aside, um, I've got a, uh, I've got a snow run, uh, planned for Tuesday. So, um, myself and, and, uh, a few guys that I know around here that are Cherokee owners as well. And a few guys from NAXJA are going to uh, meet up and, and hit up the Tillamook State Forest for a little snow wheeling on Tuesday, calling it the hangover run. Um, <laughs> so I, I, I would, we're, I'm going to see what kind of state of mind some of these guys are in. Um, so I'll have to make sure that it's, uh, it'll be safety first, you know, first and foremost throughout the day. But, uh, but it should be interesting. It'll be fun. We've got a lot of snow up on the upper elevations around here in, in Oregon. So I can't wait to get up and, and play in the snow again. So do you take any special precautions? I mean, I know that there's going to be a lot of people there or at least one other person, uh, that's going with you, but do you take any precautions, uh, being in the, the cold weather, you know, something that would keep you from losing toes or worse? Well, I do, I do, um, dress and pack accordingly. So, uh, you know, it's, it's sort of planned for the worst and hope for the best. So if, if, um, if I'm going out in the snow, I'm going to be up in the mountain. Um, I, I expect that something is going to happen and I'm going to have to spend one or two nights up there or more and without the Jeep being able to run. Um, so I have provisions to, to make a small fire if I need be. I, um, have, you know, long johns. I bring at least one uh, extra pair of socks with me. I dress, uh, warm and in layers, uh, so that, you know, if, if something were to happen, I, you know, I get wet then I can, you know, start stripping down or if I overheat, I can take clothes off. Uh, or put them back on it, you know, if, if, if necessary, um, I bring, you know, some, um, some fresh water, I have emergency water as well that I bring with me and, uh, and have some, uh, a little bit of snacks and food, uh, you know, to keep myself and a few other people alive if, uh, if need be, if we get, in case we get stranded. Yeah. And I'm sure there's always one in the crowd that, uh, uh, you don't mind eating if you have to. So they're always welcome to come along. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, us Northwest guys, you know, we're fed pretty well, so a few of these guys will make a good barbecue, I suppose. <laughs> I'm really, I'm really not a cannibal, guys. I know I talk about that a lot. Like, uh, you know, have you eaten a liberal lately? Uh, anything having to do with cannibalism? But uh, I would not eat a person, uh, no matter how appealing they they might look. Uh, <laughs> I'm hungry. I, just, I may get. I just, I just think cannibalism is <laughs> funny. You know, it's just <laughs> how's Joe doing? Well, he's he sautéed nicely. You know, I just. <laughs> <laughs> it's just uh it's just funny to me i guess <laughs> well so, if the uh, zombie apocalypse ever does break out like everybody uh is is fearing uh you know we may end up seeing a little more of that than we actually uh are making fun of well you know i've uh bacon is going to be hard to come by so mm. one of my uh one of my things that i'm going to do to help uh to help um society uh, maintain and progress, if you will, uh, during and after the zombie apocalypse is I'm going to, uh, go through the process, uh, the arduous process of coming up with zombie bacon, where you can take the zombie and prepare it properly. And it will be just like bacon. Now that's only if, you know, pigs themselves are, are injured in some way and, 
and don't make it through the apocalypse. Well, that'll be interesting. Hey, uh, <laughs> speaking of which, I got a smoker here that I am just itching to try out. I know living down in the uh, in the Texas area, you've got to have a lot of barbecue spots, and I don't know if you're if you do any smoking yourself, as far as um you know uh, you know grilling up some meats or or actually smoking them or anything like that. But I cannot wait for the weather to turn more fair so I can take this thing out and season it and get some uh, get some meat smoking up. It's it's really good. I actually did a a brisket. Uh, it, may, it probably was a year ago. My uh, my father in law made a, a heavy metal um, barbecue pit with a smoker attached, and uh, I it just takes so many hours to do, and mm-hmm. you and 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 I've only done it once. Uh, it turned out good. There was a, a very nice smoke ring uh, in the brisket, and it it was good. Uh, did the whole rub, uh, dry rub, uh, the whole nine yards. But it, it, it took a lot of work. There was no time for naps because you have to watch it. Oh. <laughs> so, you know, that's kind of a killer. I think that if I did it more often, then I would get the the feel of uh, how the, the charcoal and how the uh, mesquite uh, that's been soaked in water and, and, and you use to smoke the meat, you know, the, the right recipe, the right steps, and to know how, how often to check it. It's like anything you do new. It's more difficult the first time you do it. It can be exciting and interesting as well, uh, doing something new. But uh, it's one of those things where I just need to do it more often. And and, and also, too, I don't like smell like smoke because it, it, gets, oh, it no. gets all over you. Uh, and, and then you go back to that same uh, uh, cannibalism thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're waiting for the meat, damn it. And you smell really good. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, well, I've been uh, I've been reading up a little bit, so I can't I can't wait to, to try this thing out. I know it's a lot of work, but I've got a buddy, a uh, longtime friend, who's um, he'd become an absolute master with his Traeger grill. And uh, for those of you who don't know, Traeger is a is a pellet uh, grill, and a uh, you can dial that thing down to like 140 degrees, and it just sits there and and smokes those little pellets. And and he does the most amazing things on that thing. Hell, he's even cooked an apple pie on his Traeger, wow. smoked an apple pie. And I, I didn't get to try it, but um, but he does everything from like uh, you know prosciutto wrapped asparagus to you know full on briskets, and, and he's done pizza on it. I mean, you name it, he's done it. He loves his Traeger, and so I can't wait to start uh, start uh, you know delving into the world of smoking meats. Now, see what happens when we uh, when we start um, uh, talking about bacon and stuff. Yeah, you know. Uh... I probably will do it. Uh, I wanted to fix the, the uh, I mentioned this, I think on last show. Um, I, uh, I'm probably going to either go get or see if my wife won't go get, uh, the stuff for lasagna. And I'm thinking about making a really big pan of it. Uh, cheese only. Uh, and my daughter's, uh, not eating the, not eating meat. She'll eat, uh, chicken, but she won't eat uh, beef or pork or anything. My youngest daughter. So, uh, if I make, uh, and I'm fine with cheese, cheese is a fine substitute for meat for me. Um, I have to have meat eventually, but uh, I can have a meal with no meat in it as long as there's cheese or beans. Anyway, so I'm thinking about making a, a, a big old lasagna that, uh, one, I mean, one of those really big pans like we use during Thanksgiving to, um, to make, uh, God, they're, they're at least, uh, 15 inches wide and, and at least two and a half feet long and, and probably seven or eight inches deep. So they're, they're these huge pans you get from Sam's, aluminum pans. Wow. So, yeah, so 
I'm thinking about doing that. I actually need, I need to go online and find a recipe. I think the one that I did, uh, was, uh, on the back of the, the, I forget the name brand of the noodles. It's the, the typical, um, Oh, Skinner. That's what it is. The Skinner noodles. They had a, uh, a recipe on it and I just made that one. It was like, uh, three different kinds of cheeses and two different kinds of meats and, uh, everybody loved it. So uh, I love me some lasagna and I could put a lot of garlic in it at the, at the same time. Yeah. So if you're uh, going to be going to Sam's to get that pan, maybe you could uh, maybe find it on Amazon.com. <laughs> yeah, I just won't be able to find it uh, find it in time uh, to do it for tomorrow. Even though they do have uh, overnight shipping, especially if you're a uh, a Prime member. The reason I brought that up, folks, is is some of you may know, and, and I know a few of you that have heard this before are cringing in your headphones right now, <laughs> but. Uh, but we do have a relationship with Amazon.com, and um, and we'd love for you guys to go check out XJTalk.com before you do any online shopping at all. And uh, click on our little link there we have above the uh, the the big picture on the main page. It's uh, it's it's affiliate link. They'll take you straight over to Amazon.com, where um, anything you buy you won't pay a dime more for. But Amazon is willing to kick us a little something something out of each of those purpose, uh, purchases, uh, and so that's your way of uh, helping us out and helping the show out and helping the website out. Exactly. And, uh, well, in, in fact, uh, we, we have at least one item on the list that I wanted to go over. So, uh, hell, let's just do the segment. Amazon.com and the XJ Talk Show present You Bought What? Now, uh, first off, I want to thank you guys, all you guys that went uh, to Amazon.com and made your purchases uh, after clicking on our banner, as Josh was just describing on uh, XJTalk.com. We had a total of uh, we all the all the purchases were pretty much done when we reported last week, but we had a total of um, fifty two items shipped. I think it was forty eight uh, when we read it last week. We had a total of uh, fifty two items shipped, uh, one thousand three hundred and forty five dollars and twenty nine cents worth of revenue from those sales uh, to Amazon or uh, their third party vendors or whatever, and and out of that. Uh, XJ Talk Show uh, and XJTalk.com uh, will be getting, as long as there's no returns, $79.95. That is, and that's just for the month of December. So thank you very much. That was uh, very kind of you guys to remember us and uh, to help support uh, uh, the sites. Well, keep up that good work, folks. We love to see that kind of stuff. And please spread the word. You, got, you know somebody who's doing some online shopping, make sure they know about this. So the thing that I wanted to go over, this is the, the kind of the, you know, the big nerd thing in me. Uh, I, I didn't get a chance to send this information to Josh uh, today, you know, with what with the nap and working on the Jeep. So uh, I thought that this was, a, was pretty cool. It's a, a ham radio that somebody purchased uh, on Amazon.com. I've never seen this before, and I've never seen one this cheap. So you guys out there, and I know John, uh, pre-runner 1982, is listening to this podcast at work right now. Uh, John, this might be a perfect uh, beginner uh, radio for you. This is actually a dual-band handy talkie. And uh, for you guys uh, that aren't familiar with the, the term handy talkie, that basically is like a walkie-talkie. And uh, dual-band means that it has more than one amateur radio band on it. And that that this is just a grouping of frequencies that the hams can can use. Now the the name brand of this thing is B A O F E N G. 
uh, Bao Thing, I guess. Uh, UV5R+. Plus. So this was a purchase that was made on Amazon after clicking on the xjtalk.com uh, webpage banner for Amazon. And they, they purchased this. This dual band radio with drop-in charger, and this is for 2 meters and 70 centimeters, or uh, 2 meters, uh, or, or I'm sorry, the 144 megahertz band and the, uh, the 70 centimeter band. Um, so a dual band radio, uh, it was, uh, they purchased it for $54.99. That is amazing to me. Now, I don't know what the quality of this radio is. I don't know. Uh, I have no idea. I haven't read any reviews, but this is easily, easily $150 less than any other radio that I know of. I, I would normally buy Icom or Yezu, uh, perhaps even uh, in a pinch Kenwood. Uh, I'm not a big Kenwood fan. <laughs> That's, I don't blame you. Uh, a lot of the stuff that I, uh, a bunch of the ham radios back in the 70s, there was a lot of problems with the Kenwood stuff, and it, it's just stuck with me. And, you know, they very well could have changed how they make them. Uh, but uh, so I, I, I'm pretty much a, an Icom kind of guy, but I recently purchased a, uh, a Yezu Handy Talkie uh, from Amazon and I paid $145 for it and it's only two meters. So this is two amateur bands, the two meter 70 centimeter, uh, bands, and it comes with a drop in charger. Gosh, what else does it have on it? It's, uh, it's got a, a battery adapter, uh, for, for a, uh, like a cigarette lighter, uh, the drop in charger, uh, headset, that you can uh, use to, uh, to, I don't know if it's a, a microphone headset, I suspect it is, but uh, just amazing. It, it is, uh, I mean, the price, just amazing. Uh, I, was, I was tempted to buy one just to look at it. <laughs> I mean, $54, that's almost like a, I mean, that's less than the O2 sensor that you just bought, Josh. No, it really is, and and some of you may know, and I, I know Tony, you know this, but I'm I'm studying to uh, to get my ham license myself, and and my my ultimate goal is to have a handy as well as um, a, a unit in the Jeep itself, uh, so that I could use the Jeep as a relay. Um, so if I were if I were off the, out of the vehicle and and helping somebody, you know, down the mountain doing a rescue or something like that, that that I'd be able to um, to have the range. And uh, and be you know have that level of communication and stuff and this is extremely attractive. Um, just to you know I don't know how reliable it is. I'm gonna have to do some research on this thing. But at that kind of price range, my goodness, uh, that is something else. I'm looking at some pictures of this thing right now, and I mean that's it's quite an extensive kit. Yeah, it really is. Uh, very impressive. Uh, now it, it's interesting you mention about the uh, using it to relay. It's it's called crossband repeating. And uh, you have to have a specific type of radio that, that handles that. And uh, I, uh, I actually had an ICOM uh, radio in my Jeep uh, for a number of years, from a num- for a number of years, that was capable of cross-band repeat. But for it to operate properly, you had to have a dual-band handy-talkie. Because uh, the without going into a lot of technical detail, you would need uh, a lot of room and, and much more equipment to be able to operate like a repeater does. So what you need is a lot of uh, bandwidth distance between the two frequencies you're using. And, and two different bands is far enough away so that one doesn't interfere, uh, the transmit doesn't interfere with receive. Because the, the your mobile radio ba- basically is sending and receiving at the same time. 
depending on how you set it up, like you might set it up so that on the 70 centimeter, 70 centimeter band you're receiving. And as soon as it gets a signal on that frequency, it starts transmitting on the two meter side and the, it's capable of using the same antenna to receive and send on. It's, it's really amazing. If, if you've ever, uh, had a CB and somebody close by was talking like a, a trucker was talking uh, on another frequency and it just totally made your receiver dead and you heard all this noise and stuff on your channel. Just imagine uh, two trans, I mean, the, a transmitter receiver going at the same time on the same antenna and it's just separated by several megahertz worth of, of space. So it's a big deal and it's very, it's very good for emergency communications. It allows you to use your uh, 50 watt, 75 watt radio in your Jeep and go through that just like you would a repeater. So it's, it's really cool. And I, I applaud uh, your thoughts about that, uh, Josh. That's exactly, uh, exactly a good way to, to use that. And, and also too, uh, this would be good for Wayne because I know he spends a lot of time at the mall. Uh, quite often you can't, <laughs> quite often, Josh is laughing when well, you guys in the, in the chat can see it. Uh, <laughs> because quite often the, the mall will not allow you to, uh, get a good signal, uh, from your handy talkie to the repeater. So if you can, uh, repeat out, uh, to your crossband repeater in your vehicle and then to the, the Jeep, uh, also to malls are, are, uh, can be often used as, uh, collection spots during uh, emergencies where people go and you might need to have uh, the emergency communications. So it, it's very handy. It's, it's really a neat way to go. Yeah, that is, that is something else. I mean, I'm a, I'm a total, you know, geek and nerd at heart too. So this is, this is definitely tugging at my strings here. And, and, uh, boy, now that I know about this thing, I'm, you know, I, I may just pick one up just to, to toy with it as soon as I, um, as soon as I get certified, get my license. Yep. And, uh, that's a good thing to do. I don't think that as long as you don't transmit on it, I think that it would be fine. I don't believe Amazon, uh, requests any, uh, amateur radio call sign before they'll ship this thing to you. Uh, I know that some of the ham stores do, and they will not send out radios, uh, to people that do not have a ham license. I actually just, um, uh, this last weekend, found a local ham store. It's not local. It's about a 30 minute drive from me, but I didn't know that there was one that close to me. Oh, that's uh, great. Yeah. And so I was, I was tickled pink and I, I, I resisted going in because I knew if I went in one, I was going to spend about two hours in there Two, I was probably going to piss everybody off in there because I was going to ask a zillion questions and you know, how does this work? Well, what does this do? And, and well, you know, I was, I just ended up going all crazy in there and, and, uh, and so I'm, I'm reserving that for, for another time. Uh, when I, when I, uh, finish my studies up a little bit and I'm, you know, on the verge of, uh, of taking a test or have already taken it, then I'll go in and, and just go, uh, ape wild. Well, Josh, you know, I'm going to remind you and I'll remind our listeners at the same time, we do have a, a sister website for amateur radio, uh, type things. And when you say that they're going to get mad for all the, the stupid questions, you didn't say stupid, but I know that's what you're talking about. Uh, <laughs> all the stupid questions you're going to be asking. Well, we pride ourselves at xjtalk.com for answering the stupid questions and uh, not telling you to search and not telling you that you're an idiot and please go away. This is a forum. It's meant for, for people that only know things to, to post. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a forum to help uh, everybody understand and raise their level of uh, Jeep knowledge and, and have fun in the process. Anyway, we have a sister site that is uh, run by the same folks, has the same rules, so uh, it's, it's a little dead. Uh, we could use uh, more people uh, on there asking questions and uh, answering questions. 
but uh, it's it's very it's very dorky, hammy uh, type of name. It is uh, it's a Morse code actually, uh, as you would spell it out. It's the letter R. So it's D as in dog, I as in India, dash D A H dash D I T dot com. So it's die da dit dot com. And you can go over there. It's free to register. It's free to post. Ask your questions. Post up your pictures. Um, the whole nine yards. So, uh, Josh, I don't think that you're a member over there. Maybe you should join up and talk about the the, the trek that you're going through becoming uh, a licensed ham. Uh, I mentioned John, pre-runner 1982 before. He's a member over there and, and, and an active member. He's asked questions, and uh, I'm, I'm probably going to post this, this radio up there because I know he's going to want to know about it. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I, I got to admit, I have lurked on that site a couple times before, um, but it, it's taken a it's taken a backseat for a while because I've had a bunch of other stuff going on, especially, you know, around here on the holidays. Um, so I'm going to have to uh, revisit and definitely sign up now that I'm getting closer to getting my license. Oh, and also, too, I'll mention that I, I will put this uh, this uh, dual band fifty four dollar <laughs> radio uh, on in the show notes. So in case you're uh, curious about it and want to go have a look. So it's a it's a wonderful radio, and I thought about this uh, doing the Amazon segment right now because you were talking about being out in the wilderness in the snow, and that immediately uh, makes bells go off in my head about emergency communications because you could uh, definitely be in a bad situation, and quite often you're you're out of cell range. Oh yeah, especially up where we're going to be, uh, definitely no cell. I mean. I think I've gotten one bar when I'm up near the summit, but I don't think we're going to be able to get anywhere near that with the amount of snow that's up there right now. And you know, the other thing is uh, the stuff you're learning about uh, amateur radio and just radio and transmitters in general is going to allow you to uh, uh, maybe uh, do some things to get a better cell signal because you're going to understand how radios work and also too about induction and how you could actually wrap a wire around your cell phone and extend that wire up into a tree and now through induction the receiver and transmitting antenna is going to use that wire and and its larger uh transmitting and capture area to to improve signal strength now i haven't tried that it's a stuff that i know but it, it should work yeah i uh i heard or had read a a story about how a guy had uh had rolled his rig and one of the things that he had carried with him was a roll of wire. And I think that initially it was just sort of one of those things, uh, uh, provisions that, oh, well, if I need to, you know, to, you know, rewire a battery cable or, or you know, make some sort of a, a you know, Jimmy Rig little harness to, to get me down off the mountain that he had the wire to do it. And um, ended up using this to extend his, uh, his transmit range of his ham radio that he had uh, by stringing some of that wire up into a tree wrapping around his radio or something. And I, I, I'm, I'm sure I'm butchering the story horribly, but, but you know, long story short, he did the exact same thing you're talking about with the induction properties there and, and managed to call himself for help after he rolled his vehicle. Yep. And, and I don't want to go into a whole emergency communications segment. I've already spent a lot more time on this one than what I plan, but um, I will mention this is one of the reasons why I recommend people carry a magnetic mount antenna, whether it be, uh, you know, when, the, when you go out off-roading. Uh, especially which you shouldn't do, but if you go out alone, um, if you, if you're into CB, no problem, get you one, uh, an inexpensive magnetic mount, uh, antenna, because even if you roll your Jeep, even if the Jeep is upside down on the roof and the antenna 
is, is in the dirt or broken off, you can grab the magnetic mount antenna and stick it on what is now the top of your Jeep, <laughs> probably on the cross member of the transmission, and you have a perfectly working, functional, fully functional system as long as the battery's working and your radio is uh, still going. So n- now you should be able to get the same type of range as you would have if the, uh, the Jeep was upright. Well, speaking of ground planes, I a um, little update on my updated uh, or upgraded wiring that I did here just a couple few weeks back. Um, still going strong. I still, after all this time, uh, have not dipped down below 14 volts. My uh, my uh, Grand Cherokee alternator, the 136 amp alternator that I put in uh, just a few weeks ago, when it, the wiring upgrade is still pumping out strong, and uh, and I couldn't be happier with the results. I was I was fully expecting that after a break-in period or after the first mud puddle I went through or whatever, that um, that I would start to see that gauge dip down below 14 volts. Uh, as some of you may know, I've posted up in my build thread, as I mentioned here on the podcast after I, after I did that project. Um, since I had owned the Jeep before that, I had never, ever seen my volt gauge up at 14 volts. It was always below 14 volts. And um, and it's been it's been up and and a and a little bit above in in a couple of areas um, at that 14 volt range the entire time without exception and I and I just couldn't be happier. So if you guys any of you guys are out there um, you know are thinking you got some spare time maybe a, maybe a few extra dollars a wiring upgrade is definitely worth it. I highly recommend it. Yeah, I need definitely need to do that to mine. I'll probably wind up doing it to the to mine and the TJ. But I gotta you know, break down and actually do it. It's that's more time outside. Although, uh, being around uh, 50 degrees during the day, uh, it was one of the few times I can work on the Jeep and not sweat. Oh, geez. It's been, it's been near freezing, if not below on a couple of uh, occasions here at night. And, uh, and during the day, I think our highs are around 42 right now. So, and, and at night it's, it's, um, it's in the, in the low to mid thirties. Hey, I, I'll mention this really quick. Uh, we uh, we get some nasty uh, nasty notes from the uh, homeowners association about cleaning the uh, the mold off the the siding on the second floor here at the house. There's one side that uh, does gets the right mixture of uh, damp and uh, sun or lack of it, and uh, this th- very thin film. I have to I I just wait for them to send me the notice and I go over there and, and really look to see if I can see it and and you can kind of see it it's nothing like a uh, pond scum or anything that would be actually be a lot easier to clean so uh after years of using a, a long piece of PVC with a, a brush attached to it uh and cleaning it that way um cuz I I don't I'm not going to get up on a ladder and spend all that time doing it uh I uh, I finally bought a power washer um yeah. and uh, I was using that and wow it's 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 still, I can still see where the brush could come in handy or at least uh, a ladder to get up to the, uh, some of the stuff, but it's a 3000 PSI power washer. Anyway. Ooh, yeah. That's yeah. That's a big boy. Yeah. Honda, uh, nice, uh, oh um, yeah. I think it's a, I'm, I'm not sure if it's a, I was kind of confused by this. It's Honda, but I think it's actually a Briggs and Stratton engine that's on there. Anyway, it's, it's really nice. And, uh, uh, while the, uh, the 99 was gone today. I wanted to um, clean up some of the oil stains that were on the uh, the driveway. Uh, we park our, our vehicles inside the garage. We're we're kind of weird that way. We actually have room in the garage to park. Not a lot, but we have enough room to, to get the, the Jeeps in there. 
and the 99 uh, is out in the driveway, but it's, uh, of course it's leaking and, uh, I need to, I need to address that at some time. But anyway, I got the power washer out there and some, uh, some real nice, uh, degreaser, uh, type stuff that uh, cleaner degreaser that I got from, uh, Lowe's. And, uh, it actually did very well getting the, the grease up off the, uh, the driveway. Anyway, while I had that uh, heavy duty degreaser, I, uh, and, and the power washer out and running, and uh, hmm, the 98 was sitting there in the driveway next to the stains. I went after all the grease underneath the 98. And, and when I say all, a lot of it. Now, uh, I've painted a lot of the front end parts red, so it's easy to see. And, and the unibody was painted red from the factory, but it hasn't been red for a long time. Well, Bubba, it's red now. I took that, uh, that full 3,000 PSI little attachment that goes on the wand, and after uh, coating that thing really well with a de- degreaser, I cleaned up the diff, the, the track bar, the tie rod, uh, all of it. And uh, it looks really nice. Uh, <laughs> I, took it, uh, I took it down to Sears to get a new 3.8 inch uh, ratchet drive because I broke the other one uh, work while working on the, uh, the wheel bearing assembly. Uh, I was doing stuff with it that I should have been using half inch, but I was just too lazy to go get the half inch and the half inch socket. So I was using a cheater pipe on the three inch inch drive and, and it, it just stopped, uh, ratcheting. It just goes pop, 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 pop now. Anyway. Uh, so, uh, I was walking out to the, and I don't know if you guys do this or not. I know Jim does this now since he's, uh, he's painted his Jeep, uh, this pretty white color that he drives around. But whenever you're leaving a store, and you're walking out to your your XJ, and it's sitting out there, and it's it's all its glory with the big tires and the bumpers and the you know <sighs> you know it's this little baby. Look at that, and uh, it was gleaming. The understuff that I had painted red was just bright, gleaming red. It was it was a. I started to take a picture. Uh, the, a, a tear came in, in, to my eye. Oh, proud Papa. <laughs> <laughs> but there was no honking. I don't know. The honking has stopped. I don't know if you guys remember or not. I used to get honked at, or at least I was thinking honking. I was being honked at, but uh, that's kind of stopped. So anyway. Well, I, um, I, I get the same warm and fuzzy feelings. Uh, you know, I see that I got a roof rack on, on my, on my Cherokee. Yeah, it's got, you know, I've got a few lights on the front of it. And so in it, because it, of its stance, it sits up higher than most of the cars in the parking lot. So when I come out of, uh, of you know, the grocery store or parts store or whatever, and, you know, I can see it from, you know, clear across the way up, oh, that's my rig right there. Yeah. That's a nice thing. Uh, you know, if it was red, Josh, it would really stand out. I'm, I'm just telling you, I'm just saying. I'm not switching teams. <laughs> I'm happy with the black. <laughs> Black is really pretty. Uh, black is the color of the TJ I was looking at uh, when we we finally wound up buying the red. Uh, I, I like uh, the 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 black, although it's a little more dangerous, especially at night. It's uh, black is a very appealing color. It's nice and dark, but it's kind of rough during the summers here in Houston. Well, and, and it, it you got to wash it all the time. I mean, this the black just shows everything. So anyway, uh, let's wrap this thing up and put a bow on it. Uh, oh, that's, that's very, uh, uh, Christmassy. And, and by the way, I haven't mentioned it. Uh, everybody have a, uh, a very uh, happy new year from, uh, all of us, all the staff at, uh, the XJ talk show and, uh, xjtalk.com. Uh, hopefully your, your Christmas was good. If, uh, you're going through a stressful time of year, hopefully you were able to get through that and perhaps, uh, focus more on, uh, family instead of, uh, gifts. 
as we quite, quite often uh, forget that the, uh, the most important thing about uh, this time of year is uh, friends and family. Indeed. And folks, um, I hope you guys uh, enjoy uh, your, uh, your New Year's celebrations. Uh, please be safe uh, doing whatever you're doing out there. Uh, be good. If you can't be good, at least be good at what you're doing. Yep, yep. And uh, be very safe. And uh, don't drink and drive. Uh, kids, stay in school. Don't do drugs. Uh, yada, yada, yada. <laughs> I'm not a drinker, so I don't care. Uh, you know, I mean, I care about you guys. I want you guys to come to the show. I want you guys to, to, to come to the site. And if you're in jail or in the hospital or, uh, six feet in the ground, you can't do that. So, uh, please, uh, please be safe and, uh, and don't drink and drive. But, uh, you know, I was telling my, uh, my adult son that's, uh, been staying with us here for the last couple of weeks. Uh, they were, they were showing one of those, uh, commercials. Uh, I don't know if you guys have them. I'm sure you guys have them up there in the Northwest, but in Texas, it's like, um, if you if you drink and drive, you will be arrested. We will oh, catch yeah. you. And I'm like, you know, uh, let's be let's be realistic about this. If you catch 10% of the people that do it, that would be high. <laughs> I mean, you can drink enough where you catch yourself. <laughs> but for the people that just uh that don't drink a lot, they're, they're still impaired. I I'm saying I'm not saying you should do it. But let's be logical about this. Don't lie to me because you think you're going to scare me into the... It's the same thing with the engine cell light. It's exactly the same thing. And if they came on and said, if you drink and drive, we have a 5.6% chance of capturing you <laughs> and, and arresting you, and it will cost you thousands of dollars. So why risk it? Yes, you do have a 95% chance of getting away with it, but we don't want to focus on that. <laughs> it's a scary, it was a scary campaign. Yeah, and... And I think that's demeaning to any logical thinking person. Uh, and, 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 and actually, I think, I think well, Big Jim would probably know about this. Um, <laughs> it's like, you know, what crap, you know? You know, I'm sure there's people out there, not necessarily Big Jim, but I'm sure there's a lot of people out there that go, what a bunch of crap. I was drunk six days last week, and uh, nobody even noticed. And I was definitely impaired. I just wish they wouldn't come up with campaigns like that because it's, 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 it's insulting to, to the normal intelligence. I'm sure it's scaring women, which is, is probably something. Women seem to be worried, a, a lot more worried about uh, doing the right things than, the, than guys are. Well, it's the whole click it or ticket campaign that I, I thought was a gigantic waste of money. Yeah, it really is. Um, oh, one other thing, uh, simply because we can't go through a show and, and not say something about gun control. Uh, my wife pointed, <laughs> Josh is laughing. <laughs> my wife pointed this out to me. There was a, uh, a shooting, uh, at a San Antonio theater, uh, last week, uh, or, or, or actually, I think maybe it was a week after the uh, Connecticut shooting where so many children lost their lives. Horrible thing. Horrible thing. A lot of gun control uh, drum beating uh, after that because of that. Uh, actually, I think it was just a political opportunity that was being used. But anyway, um, about a week later after that shooting, uh, somebody in San Antonio, that's Texas people, uh, tried a similar thing as, in, in as much as uh, going after uh, somebody at a, a theater in San Antonio. I don't have the full information here, but basically a, a an off-duty uh, deputy sheriff, uh, female, uh, was at the theater and, uh, not working there, just, just, you know, there watching a movie or something and, uh, shot the guy, uh, four times in the chest and he died. 
there was not 20 people killed. There were not a bunch of uh, uh, innocent bystanders killed. Uh, I'd, I'd have to go back and look. I think the death toll was one, and that was the person committing the crime. Good. Good guys with guns works. So uh, if you're if you're for gun control, that's fine. That's your opinion. Uh, I I think it's great. You should do exactly what you think is the right thing to do. Um, but for, for those of you that are on the fence or for those of you that uh, are against gun control, uh, just remember there are success stories of people using guns and the media doesn't drone on and on and on about it because it goes against what they think. And that's a problem with how news is presented in this country. Yeah, unfortunately, it's uh, it all comes down to agendas and uh, you know lobbyists and interests and all this that and the other thing is it's it's a bunch of hooey, and unfortunately, good stories like this end up getting buried in the last page. You know, you don't hear a lot about it. Hell, I didn't even know about it until you said something, Tony. So obviously, the news doesn't travel very fast, or at least doesn't travel at all uh, up to this neck of the woods. Yep. I'll need to, I'll, I'll find that. And actually there's a video, uh, I think a news story, uh, that some news service did carry. It's just not, uh, carried by the mass media. And, uh, I'll post that up on XJ talk and uh, may even put a link to it on, uh, in the show notes. So yeah, there's uh, the, I'm just, as we were talking about it, I was Googling it and looking at it. I mean, it's Huffington post did a, did a thing about it. Uh, there are, you know, tons of Google news, um, hits about the whole thing. And, and actually one of the, uh, what is it? One, two, three, four, the, the fourth result is media quiet about San Antonio theater shooting. So, <laughs> of course. Of course. <laughs> well, uh, and I'll just mention this, uh, uh, hopefully briefly, you know what happens whenever there's gun control, the people that have guns, the people that have lots of guns, then the prices of those guns go really high. So, Remember that whenever you see people that are pro-gun control, they may be, um, well, like uh, it's been alleged Al Gore has been you know, pro-climate uh, change because uh, he was uh, looking at uh, getting lots of money on carbon credits. <laughs> Nothing wrong with making a buck, folks. It's a capital, capitalistic society. But there is a problem uh, in my mind whenever you're making it on the backs of so many people, uh, taxpayers, uh, in, in the climate control, um, in the climate change thing. Um, uh, you know, let, let Al Gore go out and get a real job so he can pay for his own massages. So that's what I say. Yeah, here, here. He can have, he can give himself his own happy ending. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, uh, speaking of happy endings. <laughs> yes. Yes. So tonight's interview, uh, is, uh, with Jason West. You know him, you love him. Uh, jeepinoutfitters.com and jeepin.com. Uh, I, I, I must admit, I did not realize that, uh, Jason had a, a forum and it is running the same software that we're running on xjtalk.com, uh, on at, at jeepin, jeepin.com, J E E P I N.com. And, uh, if you go to that page, it's kind of like a, uh, oh, uh, like a WordPress, uh, a blog site, but at, at the top you'll see uh, the outfitting, so it'll take you to the store. Uh, you'll see forum, which will take you to their V Bulletin forum. So, uh, 
It was a, a real interesting interview. Uh, we spent uh, much longer talking on there than what I what I anticipated, like uh, like Josh and I do here from time to time. You know, I could just gab for hours. So <laughs> it was about a fifty minute an hour interview with uh, with Jason. Uh, very interesting. Uh, really good guy. Uh, it, he has a lot of uh, Cherokee knowledge because, of course, he has a Cherokee, and you'll hear him refer to it as Big Red. <laughs> I'll remind you, each and every one of you, I did not start the color war, but damn it, I will, I will, I will be involved. You know, I'm not going to sit idly by and see red Jeeps maligned. <laughs> anyway, so we've got that interview coming up for, uh, for you people that are uh, listening to the, uh, the podcast. Uh, that will be up next. Uh, for you folks in the uh, the live show here in the Ustream Ustream chat room, uh, this uh, this will be the uh, the end of the live segment. But of course, you can uh, download the podcast, and uh, I think you should listen to this whole hour and uh, ten minutes worth of uh, uh, verbal sparring that Josh and I have been doing. I don't know, it's not sparring, but this verbal uh, assault that we've been giving you for the last hour and ten minutes. Uh, I think you should listen to the whole thing again. I don't think you should fast forward. There's there's key pieces of information that you've probably missed. Josh is nodding in agreement. Yeah, not very radio friendly. No, I, <laughs> I was I was wholeheartedly agreeing. Sorry, I, I, I briefly went over to jeepin.com and uh, checking out uh, uh, the website over there. And, and I forgot that this is one of uh, one of the websites that I have turned to several times in the past. For, yes. Uh, for good information, good, solid information on uh, on builds and and um and other hurdles that i have had to overcome through through my build yep he's done a lot of write-ups and yeah, uh actually lot. actually in the interview he goes into how he just uh with a with a family that he has now uh, uh the kids mainly uh that they've recently uh they've recently had in the last a few years he just hasn't had the time to uh put the time and effort into the the write-ups on the on his uh blog if you will and I, a lot of good information there and timeless information. Oh yeah. I mean, as long as you got a Jeep Cherokee, um, mm-hmm. so we have even have some discussion about, uh, the JK that they have and, and how it compared to the, uh, the TJ, he and his wife actually met, uh, out on the trail. She was driving a TJ and he was in his, uh, XJ. So that's kind of an interesting story too. Anyway, that's coming up. So stick around for that. If, uh, you're listening to the podcast, uh, if you're live, don't forget, uh, it should be out later, uh, tonight, Sunday, uh, early Monday morning, or worst case, it'll be out, uh, later Monday day. This depends on, uh, how sleepy I get after we're done here, Josh, because I have a lot of mixing and cleaning up to do. Well, after this, I'm going to go and do an oil change on my Jeep. Wow. So you're feeling better, I guess. Well, it's, let me say, it's planned for me to do an oil change after this. I may have to uh, make a quick uh, pit stop um, elsewhere in the house before I head out to the garage. See, uh, a true Jeep enthusiast would always have a package of Depends uh, on standby. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I am without. (laughs) That way you could change the oil of the Jeep, and when you were done, you could change your own oil. Yeah. Uh, good times, Tony. Good times. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll let uh, Josh wrap up the ribbons on this, but uh, guys, again, I uh, hope you had a very Merry Christmas. Hope you have a, 
a, a very good uh, new year. I'm hoping 2013 is going to be uh, good for you. And, uh, you know, big things on the horizon for xjtalk.com and xjtalkshow. Uh, you're going to be seeing uh, more videos uh, from us. Uh, you're going to be hearing more from Josh uh, on the uh, on the site interviews. Hopefully he'll be, we didn't talk about it, but hopefully he'll be grabbing some uh, some uh, stuff that we can play for you on um, uh, from his uh, his trips. Uh, I don't know about this 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 trip that you're going to be doing, Josh. But if you can grab some stuff, I'm sure it would be interesting. Your stuff always is, and uh, just uh, look forward to 2013. So thanks, guys, and stick around for the interview. Go ahead, Josh. Yeah, folks, um, great interview coming up, and uh, please stick around for that. And of course, um, I will have some stuff for you coming up. And uh, we got a bunch of other stuff lined up as well in the works, folks. Just a little teaser. I've got a interview um, scheduled with Warrior Products. You guys are all familiar with the brand, uh, so I will bring be bringing that to you um, after the new year. Uh, so stick around for that as well. Oh, and I will mention. Uh, I, I was going to say this earlier. the The Christmas promo you did, Josh, is a big hit. Uh, oh. that, hilarious. <laughs> uh, I even played it pre-show before you before you joined. Really good. I made a video out of it, put that up. It got a 23 likes, 30 likes from the people on Facebook. Oh, well, thanks guys. I was, uh, I was just messing around. I'm, I'm by no means am using this as a, uh, as a platform to, uh, to spread my American idol wings or anything like that. I do have no, no, uh, miss, uh, any ideas of grandeur as far as my singing career goes far from it. Well, that was, that was the funny thing that was, that was the funniest thing about it. The, the total lack of, uh, concern for embarrassment, I think is, uh, was Uh, the funniest uh, thing. (laughs) A little self-deprecation never hurts. I'm glad to take one for the team and your guys is, uh, for you guys benefit. It's entertainment. It's entertainment, man. It doesn't matter if it's, uh, if it's, uh, American idol, uh, uh, wonderful entertainment or some of the entertainment where people get kicked off. I mean, I know people watch American Idol for the ones that get uh, uh, picked on and thrown off more than what they, they hear the, cause there's very few people with a lot of talent. So yeah, yeah that's true. Well, but, and I'm, I'm definitely in that group as well. So, or uh, not well, in that group. your talents or your talent is not singing. It, it's in other areas. Uh, and, uh, it, it worked out beautifully. So thank you for that. It was wonderful. And we're hoping to see more of those things from you and hear more of those things from you. I will, uh, I will definitely be for, uh, bring that little production element to the show more often. Actually, I'm going to play that right now and, uh, we'll get to the interview. <laughs> <a> good laugh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, in, just in case the live audience hasn't heard this, I'm going to play this right now. And, uh, Hey guys, uh, thanks again. And, uh, we'll be getting the interview up here right after this. Here comes XJ Talk, here comes XJ Talk, all up in your ears. Tony and Josh giving you lots of goods all throughout the year. <laughs> Talk about jerkies and Jeeps and stuff and probably some other things too. So tis the season, this is the reason we're bringing this to you. Everybody! Here comes XJ Talk, here comes XJ Talk, all up in your ears. The <laughs> end of the world came and wouldn't you know it, we're all still alive and here. The X-Day Talk Show is back and better than ever, and it's really no fuss. We sure do appreciate all the support, so thanks for listening to us. (laughs) 
What were you thinking? <laughs> That's great stuff, man. <laughs> you sent me an email and you said, I don't know if you want to, if you want this or you want to play it or you could trash it if you want to. I listened to like the first 10 seconds of it and I was clapping. I was sitting here by, by myself like an idiot, laughing and clapping, actually applauding to you. And nobody was here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it still makes me laugh when I hear it. I, I, I listened to it once after I, um, after I recorded it and, uh, and sent it off to you. And I think you played it uh, at the beginning of the last show. And uh, that was the last time I had heard it. So hearing it again, <laughs> yeah, I don't know what the hell I was thinking. <laughs> oh, it's great. The only thing better, uh, and, and I say better, it would be different, would be to get uh, Big Jim over here, uh, get, oh. a, get a few drinks in him and let him sing one. <laughs> duet. <laughs> <laughs> a duet, yeah. But uh, uh, full of expletives, you know. It would sound like Morse code. Anyway, guys, <laughs> uh, stick around. Here comes the interview. This is Ben with Rough Country Suspensions, and you're listening to the XJ Talk Show. This is Courtney Holland with the Ventura County Off-Road Show, listening to the XJ Talk Show. And today we have Jason West of uh, JeepinOutfitters.com uh, with our inter- for our interviews today. And uh, Jason, uh, gee, thanks a lot for being here and uh, agreeing to do the interview. I'm glad we were able to get together, uh, certainly before the, uh, the next podcast release. Yeah, thanks for having me. Hey, you guys had some snow up there recently, didn't you? We sure did. Uh, it was kind of funny. We had, for a little while, for like a day, we had more snow than Chicago, than Colorado. Uh, so, yeah, we got, officially it was two inches, which isn't a whole lot for a lot of people. But for us on Christmas Day, it was uh, pretty cool. Oh, man. Snow on Christmas Day in Texas, that would be, uh, I'm sorry, in Central Texas, uh, yeah. would really be <laughs> something. I mean, it would be more I, th- I think it would have been a lot better if it had been in Houston, but that's only because I'm in the Houston area. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so, Jason, uh, tell us about yourself. How did you get uh, involved with uh, Jeep and Outfitters? Um, well, my wife and I started it um, back in uh, 2002, and it was just kind of an offshoot from Jeepin.com, which is my original site. And I started that. Um, it originally started back in 1996 as Jason's Jeepin page, and it was just kind of my own personal little web page long before blogs and, and web forums and stuff came out. Um, and so it was just my, my personal page, uh, that I started when I was in college, just doing write-ups and posting pictures of my Jeep. Uh, and then as I was getting ready to leave college and stuff, I was like, you know, I, I really need to set up my own domain name, um, kind of get stuff off of the school servers and all that. And so, um, I registered the domain name jeepin.com. And it just kind of started from there and then uh, moved down to Texas and met Jennifer, uh, my wife. And we actually met off-roading on the trails. So that was kind of cool. She was in her TJ and I was in my XJ. And uh, we just kind of met up and hit it off and literally been together ever since. And uh, so we were doing write-ups and installs and trip reports and all that. And uh, then late fall of 2002, she asked me, 
you know, why are we referring everybody to all these other places? Why aren't we selling the parts that we're doing the write-ups for, that we're doing the reviews on? And I was kind of like, well, that's a good question. Uh, why aren't we? <laughs> and uh, so we, we made some calls uh, because at that point, through contacts that I'd made with Jeepin.com, with doing sponsorships with other companies and, and uh, direct deals with manufacturers, I knew a lot of the guys that were running the companies. Um, and so called them up, said, Hey, you know, we're, we're going to be starting a company. Can we get in? We want to sell your parts and all that. And, uh, so it, it just kind of started from there. And, uh, in December of 2002, we officially launched Jeep and Outfitters. And, uh, so we've been running it since really. So, and, and you guys are celebrating your uh, 10th year anniversary as well, right? Yes. Yeah. This month marks our uh, 10th year in business. So we're pretty excited about that. And, uh, there's only a, a couple of days left, but we're doing a big 10% off sale as part of our 10 year anniversary. Um, so we've posted about that on our Facebook page and on our website and on some of the forums and stuff. And it's basically on a bunch of our favorite brands. We've got 10% off with discount code 10 years and it's the number 10, one zero, uh, years, uh, in all caps. And so that runs through the first. Now I have to ask, uh, cause you mentioned something about the, uh, uh, the wife having a TJ and you having an XJ, or at least mm-hmm. at least uh, how it started. I think that's changed now. But anyway, um, how how often do you guys fight between the the TJ faction and the XJ faction? Actually, you know, we we haven't really fought a whole lot. We we would tease each other a little bit about <laughs> stuff, um, you know, because she had the Wrangler and that was kind of the real Jeep, quote unquote. And uh, so I had the XJ and and all that stuff. And it, you know, so we would tease each other a little bit about like round headlights versus square headlights and unibodies versus frames and, and all that stuff. So, but you know, it was all just in good fun and, and, uh, she liked my Jeep. Uh, she loves my Jeep and, uh, you know, we liked hers and we've since sold her TJ. Uh, we sold it a couple years back and we've got a four door JK now. Um, and I've still got my Cherokee big red. Um, so, but yeah, I mean, we, we really liked both Jeeps. We would take them both out. Um, Initially, we started out, before we got a tow rig and a trailer, uh, we would take both Jeeps out. And so it would be, you know, she would be in her Jeep and I would be in my Jeep running on the trails and stuff. And so that was kind of cool. Oh, yeah. Um, but we've, we've kind of scaled back. And uh, since we tow now and we don't have a, a truck or a trailer big enough to haul two Jeeps, then we just kind of trade out and take one at a time. Well, that makes sense. Now, this is great. Uh, I've heard various things about the JKs. Uh, specifically, they are underpowered, which I think everybody agrees with. At least, um, uh, maybe it was up until last year that they came out with a decent engine and in, in, in the things. But uh, I've heard that they, the JKs are underpowered, and the metal, uh, the body metal, is very thin, so it has it will have a tendency to wear out quickly. Um, what's your uh, what do you think about the JKs in, in the regard of it being comparable to a TJ? Um, the, the 3.8 liter, a lot of people like to dog on it. Um, it's certainly not a fantastic motor. Uh, I don't think it's as bad as a lot of people make it out to be. Um, and a lot of, a lot of the whole underpowered statement, I think, uh, comes from just the way that it was, it's tuned, uh, because it's got electronic throttle, um, versus a, a direct cable to the throttle body, like what was on the four liter motor. And uh, so it, it just feels different. Uh, it's a V6, so you've got to rev it higher uh, to get the same amount of power that you did with the 4 liter. And so I think a lot of it, it just it feels different. 
but overall power wise, and it may just be because Big Red is kind of old and worn out a little bit, um, it doesn't feel all that different from my Cherokee. Um, so, but again, I think a lot of it just, if you look at the torque curve and, and all that, you just got to rev the motor up higher to get the power. Um, and again, I think a lot of it is due to the tuning in the electronic throttle. When you step on the gas, it just kind of lazily opens up. You don't get that initial hit like you do um, with a cable driven. Oh, those bastards! What they? I bet you what they've done is to improve the gas mileage. They don't. Uh, they make it go slower. So I mean, they yeah. make, the, make it oh, throttle up slower so that they can get a little bit better gas mileage overall. Yeah, I'm sure that's part of it. Um, there's even a company I can't think of the name, um, but they've got uh, a little booster pack or something that you can install on the gas pedal. Uh, I think there's like a factory delay in there. Like you said, they, they kind of slow it down. And uh, what this little gizmo does is you plug it in and you hit the gas and it you get the power more instantly. Uh, and so even though you're technically not getting more power, it feels like it uh, because it's coming in quicker. Right. You're getting a, uh, a better uh, seat of the pants feel. Yeah, uh, better, from quicker it. throttle response. Exactly, and I know that that's what a lot of people claim with the uh, the, the throttle body um, spacers and uh, making the, the throttle bodies uh, have a larger orifice that that quicker throttle response. So I know it's important to a lot of people. Yep. So yeah, yeah, and uh, and the body metal is thinner, um, and uh, I'm not real happy about that because you can I mean you can push on the door with one finger and watch it flex. You can push on the fenders and watch it flex. Uh, so and again that's probably you know they probably thinned everything out to try and help cut weight because oh, sure. especially once you look at a four-door jk i mean that thing is a heavy heavy thing just stock you know and so they they were probably trying to cut uh corners everywhere that they can thin out metal and all that stuff so yeah i mean i i really like the jk uh, just because it's a four-door wrangler i've wanted you know one of those for a long time and uh so now they finally got one. We've got one, but there's there's things I like about it and things I don't. So it's an interesting beast. Now I know that this will will border on blasphemy on a XJ <laughs> Talk podcast, but um, I've I've often said whenever they first came out with the four door JKs, if they had had the the four door Wranglers when we were going to uh, went to the Jeep place to buy a, a a TJ, and and I went ahead and went with the XJ because of our two daughters. I would have gone with the, the four-door Wrangler because it's a, to me, in my mind at, at that time, that's a Jeep. It's not a, uh, a grocery good or station wagon like uh, as I viewed the XJ back then. Uh, that, would have been the, that would have been a real Jeep, but it would have been a four-door Jeep. So uh, my question is, how, do you, how does it compare to your XJ? Is it a, do you get the feeling it's kind of, the, kind of Jeep's answer for Hey, I know we we were dumbasses and we killed the uh, the Jeep Cherokee years ago, but here, here, please take this instead. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I'm, I'm almost hesitant about saying stuff like that in public, but but yeah, I I really do think um, that it's kind of the spiritual successor to the XJ. And like you said, I know a lot of people are probably going to think that's blasphemy, but. Um, well, there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, it's it's really a compliment to the, to the 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 Cherokee. I mean, yeah, it, you and, know, it's like we got to bring this back because there's such a following. Yeah, 
and and I think they have done that. I, they've definitely captured a lot of kind of the family Jeeper market back, I think, that they might have lost when they discontinued. Um, the Liberty is a good vehicle in its own right, uh, and it's certainly proven itself over the years to be, you know, people can modify them. I've, I've seen Liberties that could probably walk all over either of my Jeeps. Uh, you but know, yeah, but it, you can it throw takes a lot more to but get you can, to that Yeah, point. you can throw a lot of money at something and and send it to the moon if you want to. But but yeah. out of out of the box, I, I, and I just have to be upfront and honest. The Liberty replaced the Cherokee, and it's a, a a yuppie thing that I don't like. I never have, and it's probably just me being uh, mad because they stopped making the Cherokee in favor of the Liberty. Oh, so, sure. and, so, so and yeah, I, I agree with you to a great extent too. So I agree uh, with you. You uh, liberties can be built and they can have the whole front end removed and, and replaced with a straight axle or uh, yada, yada, but mm. yeah, but you know, you can do that with a Toyota too. So yeah. Or a VW, <laughs> you know, so, but yeah, I mean, I, I do get a lot of that XJ feel, um, from my JK. Uh, it's, it's got four doors, um, if you compare them side by side, the outside is much larger. It's a much wider vehicle, um, and it's considerably taller. But the interior space is very similar. Um, I can't tell you how much time I've spent with uh, with my Cherokee and my JK side by side with a tape measure, saying, <laughs> "Okay, from the seat to the ceiling, what is it side by side? From you know how much legroom is it? You know, and probably somewhere I have a list. Actually, I think I've got an Excel sheet somewhere that's got you know, side-by-side -side comparisons. Okay, from the inside of the tailgate to the back of the seat, on the back seat, what's that dimension? Side-to-side, -side, what's that dimension? You know, with the seats folded down, just looking at interior cargo space-wise, what are the differences? Right. You know, and they're actually, it's very, very similar. Um, if you've got an XJ with a spare tire on the back, um, particularly if you've got a winch bumper on the front, if you measure from the front of that winch bumper to the back of the spare tire hanging off the back of an XJ, it's it's within an inch or two inches the same length as a JK, you know. And so that's what kind of throws you off too, is you look at the JK and their proportions are so different, you know. Especially with a four door, you've got to put thirty sevens on it for it to look kind of proportional big Jeep. Mm -hmm. um, and part of that's with the larger seventeen inch wheels, and you know the it's got over a foot longer wheelbase uh, than an XJ, but it's really no longer front to back. So, you know, you still get some of that feel, but it, it's also a very different vehicle. So, Well, it's good to hear. Like I say, it's it's good to hear they kind of did an homage to the the Cherokee, even if it's uh, uh, not official, just something uh, that I, I think, is, uh, think is what they've done. So we'll see. Uh, but, uh, it's good to hear that they, they, they are continuing to address the off-road wishes of the public and not just, uh, uh, going with fuel economy and some pseudo off-road, uh, type device. Yeah. So, uh, I guess, uh, speaking of the JKs, uh, as far as, uh, your business goes, uh, how, how do you think sales are, you know, for XJs versus TJs versus JKs? What do you, what do you see in the most of? Um, our market, uh, now and since we started has primarily been with the XJs. Um, and a lot of that is because I kind of got my start doing Cherokees, doing XJs, um, building that up. And so those were the communities that I was a part of. 
you know, back before some of the more specialized forums uh, like XJ Talk and stuff existed, you had Jeeps Unlimited, you had Jeep Forum. Uh, there were some email lists um, back in the day uh, and all that. And so, um, and of course, Naxja and all those. And so those were the forums that I hung out on. And so those were the guys that knew me, I knew them. And so once we started a business, um, it just kind of, it naturally uh, kind of fell into place that our focus was XJs. Uh, sure. And still to this day, I would say probably 75% of our market is XJ owners. Yeah, I see what you're saying. I like to ask the question uh, of uh, companies whenever they, they, that they sell Jeep products, especially to the various models just to uh, kind of get a, um, I don't know, I guess make myself feel better that uh, a vehicle that hasn't been built in uh, 12 or 13 years uh, is, is still viable, that there's still a good uh, aftermarket uh, following. And uh, Oh, yeah, certainly. I mean, there's the, the market for XJs, uh, the aftermarket support now is probably bigger than it's ever been. Um, you know, when we were talking uh, before the interview, you mentioned JCR Off-Road. Uh, we were dealers for them with, for a little while. Uh, some things happened. We're not dealers with them anymore. But, I mean, you know, they've come up. A lot of other companies have come up making some really nice kind of specialized XJ stuff. Uh, and so there there have been some companies that have kind of fallen by the wayside um, that did make some nice stuff. There used to be uh, some nice steel taillights that were made from some different companies. I'm not sure anybody's making those anymore. Um, but, yeah, I mean, there's still – you've still got – a lot of the big suspension manufacturers are still uh, making sure that XJ stuff is is uh, getting put out there. You know, I know um, Rough Country uh, puts out a lot of new stuff for uh, for XJs. Rubicon Express, of course, TNT Customs has done a bunch of good stuff uh, for XJs. You know, so yeah, there's definitely uh, still a very big and very viable uh, aftermarket support for the XJ. Yep, uh, I agree. I just like uh, I like checking. Uh, on these interviews just to hear it uh, firsthand. So yeah, it makes sense. Well, obviously uh, it's, uh, it's enough to keep you going for uh, the last 10 years uh, selling these products. So yep, always good news. <clears throat> so uh, anyway, uh, so you got rid of the, what your TJ was it that, uh, that your wife had? We had a 2000 TJ. Uh, it was a sport. We'd done it up with a Rubicon long arm kit. We had 35s on it um, and it was built at, Capability wise, it it matched um, my XJ, and so you know it, it was a really nicely built rig. We were very happy with it. Um, it just happened that uh, we've got two kids now, and uh, we had done a custom cage in that Jeep. We couldn't fit car seats in the back, mm -hmm. um, and so it was just it it literally it was just sitting collecting dust. Um, and Jennifer hated to see it just kind of sitting there. We didn't have a whole lot of time to use it anymore. Uh, we just bought the four-door JK. We were starting to build it up. So it was like, gosh, you know, we've got three Jeeps. That's I know that's such a terrible problem to have. Um, you know, and, and we'd put a lift kit on the JK, and we had 35s on it, and it's a Rubicon, so it was locked front and rear. And so it's like, you know, we've got three awesome Jeeps. Like I said, really terrible problem to have, um, you know, they're all on 35s. They're all locked up front and rear, very capable. Um, it just happened that the TJ just wasn't getting used. Yeah. Um, That's so, sad. Had, That's really sad. Yeah, I see what you're saying. At least somebody could could be out there, uh, you know, blasting down the trails uh, or up the trails. Yeah. 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 So, um, although, ironically, the lady that we sold it to, uh, she lives locally, 
I don't know that it's been off pavement since we sold it, um, but it does get driven quite a bit um, because we get people all the time that say, hey, you know, I saw this yellow Jeep. It had Jeep and Outfitters on the hood. You know, what's the deal with that? Or, you know, so they drive it around town a lot. We see, uh, we get people commenting a ton that they see this yellow TJ driving around with our decals on it. And, uh, and Jennifer and I actually joke, we're like, you know, we're actually just fine with the fact that the lady doesn't uh, take it off road because we oh, kind of yeah. joke, hey, you know, if we ever win the lottery, we're going to go back and we're going to buy that Jeep back. <laughs> yeah. um, and it and it's going to be in perfect condition. She hasn't taken it off road and beat it up or anything. Well, so, you know, when you put your a lot of effort into something, it's nice to, to know that it's not being damaged or it's not going to get rolled. Uh, yeah. You have a certain yeah. uh, you have a certain amount of confidence that you whenever you drove it, that you were pretty sure you were going to take care of it and not roll it. But whenever some uh, some Yahoo <laughs> yeah. gets it, no matter how it wouldn't matter if they were a professional rock crawler, you'd still be worried about them rolling your baby. Yeah. Uh, oh, that, sure. Yeah. Because, it, you know, like you said, if, if you're the one driving it and taking care of it, you know, you're confident in yourself that, you know, hey, I, I know how to do it. I'm, I'm not too worried. But then you let somebody else have it, and it's kind of like, uh, I'm not sure I really trust you. But, you know, but even so, the fact that we see it around town a lot. Um, and so we kind of joke, point it out to our kids, hey, there's mommy's Jeep, you know, as we're driving down the road and see it parked somewhere. Um, but just the fact that, you know, someone's out enjoying it, they've got the top down, they've got the doors off, you know, enjoying a TJ the way that, you know, they should be enjoyed. And it's not just sitting around waiting for us to take it out twice a year. Yeah, well, yeah. this is also also blasphemy, but there's nothing wrong with having a uh, an off road capable Jeep on the road. If that's yeah. if that's the way you want to drive it, that's the way you should drive it. I oh, sure. I think it's a bit of a waste. It's it's fun at least not if for no other reason to get out on trails, but there is there is still is good reason for having off road capable vehicles that are uh, primarily used on road. Uh, that's the way I do mine, but uh, then again, yeah, I, mean, I don't have a trailer to tow it uh, <laughs> when it breaks. <laughs> Yeah, you know, um, both actually all of our Jeeps have been daily drivers um, at one point or another. Um, when I met Jennifer, her TJ, that was her only vehicle. She daily drove it. Um, I daily drove Big Red for quite a while, you know, even after I put five and a half inches of lift and 35s and I had a Detroit in the back and all that good stuff. Um, you know, that was still my daily driver for a long time. Um, now I'm daily driving the JK. You know, and it's built up. So, you know, I'm, I'm all about dual purpose rigs and all that. Um, but I do love having a tow rig and a trailer. Oh, uh, we joke quite often that that's the best, the single best upgrade we ever made to our Jeeps was a tow rig and a trailer. Hey, you know, you're going home and you know that you have a way to work. Uh. Exactly. <laughs> you know, that that's plan B. That's the backup, especially um, because, you know, there's not very many good local places um, for us, at least in the Dallas area, to go off-roading. Um, the nearest legal place is an hour drive, which isn't too bad. Um, but our favorite place to go is Hot Springs, Arkansas, to the Superlift Park. Mm. Uh, and that's a five-and-a-half-hour trip, um, sometimes six-and-a-half hours with the kids. Um, you know, but And they've got really, really good trails, and we like to run the fun trails You know, that require you to be locked front and rear that, you know, you could make it through on 33s, but it's really better if you've got 35s. And so those are the trails that we like to run. And if you've got a tow rig and a trailer, like you said, you know you can get home. And so there's less worry when you're on the trail. 
You know, so you can kind of have fun. You might try a different line that you wouldn't have tried if you were worrying about, oh, you know, I've got a six hour drive home yeah. tomorrow, <laughs> you know, so I've got to kind of take it a little bit easier, um, you know, so it definitely, uh, for us at least, I think it makes going off road more enjoyable knowing that we don't have to drive it home, you know, for half a day, we can put it up on a trailer, uh, and tow it home and then. You know, we've got the tow rig to drive if we need to get to work or something like that, um, and then get the Jeep fixed. So, now, what issues, uh, if any, have you had uh, putting 35s on your XJ? Um, well, the wheel wells weren't really designed for anything bigger than about a 31. Uh, so, you know, there's there's a little bit of body modification uh, that needs to be done to really properly run those tires uh, if you want to have decent wheel travel. Um, but other than that really haven't had uh, any issues. Um, still running mostly factory axles. Um, they've been re-geared, um, lockers. Uh, the front end, I've got a worn manual hub conversion with alloy shafts there. Um, and I've got some aftermarket shafts in the back, but they're not chromolies. Um, but I mean, other than that, you know, you put the right amount of lift on there, you do the proper fender trimming, and you can run 35s on a Cherokee, no problem at all. Uh, especially if you've got a late model Cherokee, like a 97 or newer, um, or even some of the 96s, uh, with the crush eight and a quarter, that's got the 29 spline shafts. Mm -hmm. You know, the eight and a quarter is a good axle, especially with the 29 spline shaft axle shafts. Um, the high pinion Dana 30, a lot of people used to really bag on that, but I mean, we've, we've run those on, uh, we had that in our TJ, we have it in, uh, my Cherokee and, you know, we, we like to go out and have fun and, and run hard trails and run, you know, lockers, low gears, 35s. And, uh, and we've been really lucky with ours. So I, I don't have any reservations at all recommending people, you know, hey, if you've got stock axles, if you've got an eight and a quarter and a Dana 30, high pinion, you know, put a little bit of money into those. You can build those up over time. Uh, that's one of the great things about uh, having decent factory axles to start with is you can put a little bit of money over time and upgrade it. You can do a locker, you can do gears, you can do axles, and you're not having to drop, you know, a thousand, two thousand dollars on a whole new bolt-in swap. So uh, now you mentioned the manual hub conversion on the, the Dana 30. Um, how much was that? Um, gosh, you know the I've got a kit. It's from Warren. Uh, Warren doesn't make them anymore. Yukon makes it. Um, and there's a couple of other companies. I think Alloy USA just released a hub kit. You're looking at probably about $1,100 uh, for most of those kits. And uh, that it's definitely a big chunk of change. Um, I've been really happy with mine. But at the same time, I also have a hard time uh, recommending that kit to other people just because of the cost. Right. Um, because you can get regular alloy axles um, for a lot less. And the difference, a lot of people would say, oh, yeah, you know, it'll improve fuel economy. Yeah. Eh, a, a little bit, but you'd have to drive your Jeep for probably 20 years plus um, <laughs> to ever make any significant amount of money back on the savings from that kit. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, well, yeah. I don't know uh, if you've uh, been keeping up with uh, with things on XJ Talk and on our, our YouTube channel, but uh, recently had to uh, get a tow home because my uh, wheel bearing assembly went out. Uh, I, I guess it was growling and I couldn't hear it because of the mud terrain tires that I have, but, yeah. uh, I had to get a tow home last Friday. And, uh, 
So no, I replaced. I heard about that yet? Yeah, I had replaced. <laughs> uh, I replaced the two uh, Tempkin uh, wheel bearings uh, yesterday with uh, more Tempkins, and uh, man, it was uh, that uh, that wheel bearing assembly was bad. Now I have heard tales of them being a lot worse, but uh, it was uh, it was bad enough to have the 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 thirty three um, uh, tire that I have uh, wobble as I was trying to drive it. At least oh, that's. Wow. Yeah, at least that's what the the person, the pedestrian that was walking down the street where I, where I pulled over told me. You'll have to watch. Yeah. You'll have to watch the video. It's pretty funny. Oh um, yeah, I'll definitely have to look that up. <laughs> anyway, so um, the thing uh, somebody had recommended say, hey, you ought to get this, get the manual lockouts. And you're right, the worn uh, worn one isn't available any longer. And uh, I thought, well, you know, hell, I knew that the the wheel bearing assemblies were a weak point, and that the the manual hub conversions. Uh, are, are much better uh, and last a lot longer and they're, they're serviceable and cheaper to, to, oh, yeah. to fix, et cetera. And uh, so I went over and looked at the, the, the one that this guy had recommended and it was $1,450. Yep. I couldn't believe that anybody would sell something like that for that amount of money. I mean, I, I mean, I, I've been looking at uh, for a long time now, the, um, the full Dana 44, axles that they sell for the, the for the xjs not not new of course but yeah rebuilt arb air locker 456 gears um 30 spline uh, <laughs> chrome molly axles uh for 2500 bucks yep now why in the world would i go out and spend money for manual lockout hubs when i can just go get a dana 44 i mean well, yeah it's a thousand dollars more but damn <laughs> Yeah. See, here, here's the thing, though. That Dana 44 probably doesn't have manual lockout hubs. And I don't know which one you were looking at, but just based on that price, most of the bolt-in Dana 44s that you see advertised on websites, it's usually like a TJ Rubicon housing, so it's going to be low-pinion, um, or it might be a high-pinion housing sometimes. But it's still going to use um, – it's probably still going to have the same Dana 30 tubes. Uh, and it's still going to have the same Dana 30 outers and all that. Um, so that's what you kind of got to look at is not all Dana 44s are created equal. Well, I'll have to, um, I'll have to keep that in mind. I think it was, uh, what is it, G2, G4? Uh, yeah, yeah, G2. Uh, they do a lot of stuff. Um, we sell them, actually, uh, but we don't sell very many of those axles. Uh, well, just because the it, price tag. <laughs> yeah, the, they are pricey, and, and honestly, <clears throat> the... I don't know that they necessarily represent a good value proposition. Oh, that's interesting. Um, so just because, yeah, it's a Dana 44, um, but the only thing that's really Dana 44 about it is the center section and the inner axle shafts. Uh, um, well, everything else, you're not really upgrading from what a Dana 30 has. Um, so, And this is coming from a guy, and a lot of people are going to smack their foreheads when I say this. Um I went from a Dana 30, the original Dana 30 that was in my XJ, I bent it um, when I jumped it through the air, and some people <laughs> may have seen that video. Um, it, it's floated around the internet for quite a while. Um, so then I spent way the hell too much money on a, a quote-unquote custom-built Dana 44 axle, um, which I discovered later was uh, basically just a a rebuilt uh, Wagoneer Dana 44 front end uh, from a junkyard. So, um, but it had, it had manual hubs. It had crossover steering, had a Detroit, you know, big beefy tubes, all that. Um, but 
the thing about a Dana 44 is it could have a lot of good stuff, but it still uses the same U-joint as a late model Dana 30. Mm-hmm. And generally, the U-joint is the weak point in the axle. Sure. Um, you're more likely to, to snap the U-joint than pretty much anything else. Right. And so it's like, hey, I just spent, you know, $2,000 or $3,000 on a Dana 44, and I'm just as likely to break it as I was the Dana 30 that it replaced. Um, and so uh, there are certainly ways to upgrade that. There's heavy-duty U-joints. Yukon um, makes a super joint that we carry. Uh and, and a lot of companies have them, Allo USA and, and some others. So you can certainly swap that in. Manual hubs, I think, are great. Um, I loved having them. Um, when I, and that Dana 44 I just mentioned, I actually swapped it out and put a Dana 30 back into my Cherokee. Um, and that's kind of a long story, probably for another podcast. <laughs> um, so, but, but needless to say, the 44 that I had had some issues. Um, and I'm much happier with the ARB equipped Dana 30 that I've got now. Um, but I've still got the manual hubs. Like I said, I love those. I just don't know that they're the money if you're upgrading a Dana 30. So, well, that's great. Uh, that's really interesting. I like hearing that. I'm glad, uh, I'm glad I brought that, uh, that G2, uh, I think it's G2, uh, yeah. axle up. So yeah, G2 you, makes them. you, you actually answered another question. Um, the, um, I'm sorry, let me back up a second. Now, my wife is never going to take her TJ off road, but I might, um, I hope she doesn't hear this, <laughs> <laughs> but I, I probably am not going to, or I'm probably not going to do very much in it with the Dana 35 in the rear. Yeah. I've been thinking about getting a, uh, a G2, uh, Dana 44 axle to go on the TJ. Um, I could certainly help you out with that. Yeah. That uh, well, would, well, is sure. that, would that be a reasonable thing to do? It sounds like it would not be a reasonable thing to do for the XJ, but uh, as far as a rear Dana 44 for the TJ, would that, from that, that organization, would that thing be a reasonable thing to direction to go? Yeah. For the rear axle, certainly. Uh, especially if you're upgrading from a Dana 35. Mm-hmm. Um, the Dana 30 front end is a perfectly fine axle. Um, it, it's good up to 35s. We even ran a set of uh, beadlocked 36-inch IROX um, on ours for, for about a year and never had any issues. Um, you know, But the rear end, the Dana 35 rear end, is definitely going to be a weak point. Um, and the cost and complexity of doing all the brackets on the back end right. of the TJ, um, that's definitely when I would say, you know, your best bet is to either buy a, a crate axle like the G2 Dana 44 rear end um, or find a local shot that could do uh, a Ford 8.8 swap. That's another popular one. Um, and there's a lot of companies that make um, complete bracket kits uh, for the 8.8 swap. Mm-hmm. So, and um, you get disc brakes with a Ford 8.8, uh, depending on which one you get. You might even be able to score one with lower gears. Um, you know, but, but the Dana 44... Uh, that G2 makes is a really good option. Um, so if you're if you are considering that and it's a daily driver and you're thinking about a locker, um, I would highly recommend uh, like an ARB or an Ox. Go with selectable. Um, oh yeah, definitely. Uh, I'm, yeah, she probably so, would. Pro- she probably would never engage it, but I like the idea of her being in a uh, an off road capable vehicle. And as uh, you know, how the weather is in Texas. Oh yeah, and it can it can change in an instant, and her having the ability to flick a switch 
and uh, turn on a locker uh, would yep. be would just be wonderful. Now that oh, yeah. that brings me to another thing. You already answered my question about what locker do you have in the the front of your XJ, and uh, you said ARB. Now the the age old question, and and perhaps as as detailed as you are about things, you've tried this. Um, the age old question: front locker or rear locker? Um, you know, actually, I haven't. Well, let's see. I haven't technically tried that. Now, uh, see, you've let me down. This is not what I've ex- <laughs> expected from a guy who takes measurements and puts them in an Excel spreadsheet. Yeah, we'll see. When I, when I finally bit the bullet and uh, and locked and regeared Big Red, I did a front rear axle swap, um, and so I did both ends because um, the original axles was a Dana thirty and a Dana thirty five rear end, and so after I bent my first Dana thirty housing. Um, on my infamous jump, uh, <laughs> I swapped in Dana 44's front and rear. And so it was at that point that I was like, you know what, let's just we'll bite the bullet, spend a lot of money, get it done. And I put in uh, locked Dana 44's front and rear. Um, in our TJ, it started, um, it had a factory Dana 44 rear end. So we were lucky in, in that aspect. And it had a track lock in the rear. Um, and so since it already had a limited slip in the rear, the first thing we did on it was we put an ox locker in the front. And so I, I did kind of do the, the front versus back, but it was a little bit not quite uh, an apples to apples thing there because the rear did already have a limited slip. Sure. Um, so as far as which, which is better, um, probably the rear is more popular. Mm-hmm. Uh, I almost think the front would do you better. Um, and some of it may depend on terrain. Um, yeah, I think but, it's all situation based. It depends on if it's rocks, is it mud, is it ice, is it snow, et cetera, et cetera. So, uh, right. it, it just depends on where the traction is, um, at, yeah, at the time. Cause a lot of people say, oh, you want to put it in the rear. Cause if you're climbing, you get the weight transfer on the back. So you'll get even more traction on, on the back. But at the same time, if you're, you've got less traction up front, that's where you want to try and increase it. And plus, if you're trying to climb a ledge or something like that, um, you're more apt to even to get up to the point where you've got weight transfer on the back if the front end is locked so the front can pull you up over that ledge or over that log or the rock or whatever. Well, I think so, everybody can agree that the, the best situation is to have them uh, both front and rear locked, and then you don't have to worry about it. <laughs> oh, certainly, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's that's my goal. I uh, I got lucky. I found a, um, a, a ARB air locker. Uh, for uh, a Chrysler 8.25 on eBay a few months ago, and it had an opening bid of 4.99, and I watched it until 15 seconds before the uh, the auction was over, and uh, placed a bid and got it for 499 dollars. Oh wow! Yeah, <laughs> it's new, never been used. It's a uh, it's an older locker, but uh, I had uh, I contacted ARB with the uh, the serial number, and uh, they said it's exactly the same thing they build today, but they told me when it was uh, actually manufactured. So I'm um, going to be putting that in the uh, the old 8.25, and uh, if Good I deal. can, yeah, if I can find a uh, an ARB 30-spline uh, uh, air locker for the Dana 30, I'll snap one of those things up too, you know, for 500 bucks. But I, yeah. I think that's a once-in-a-lifetime deal, uh, to be honest with you. <laughs> But uh, yeah, I was real happy about that, and uh, I think if I wasn't having this uh, this running hot problem uh, with my Jeep, I probably would be doing more things to it, like make, getting that uh, locker in there. I think that would be fun. 
Yeah. Now, how did you uh, provide air for your air locker? Um, I've got an ARB air compressor. Uh, so I went ahead and got one of those, and I mounted it under the back seat on the driver's side. Um, and one of the reasons why I did that is, uh, for better or for worse, my XJ was originally equipped with ABS. Um, it's since been disabled. Um, don't tell the inspection place that. But uh, So the pump is still under the hood. And so um, that, that would have been where I, that was going to be my first choice of placement. Um, was under the hood where the ABS pump sits. Um, but I didn't really want to go through all the mess and, and hassle of redoing the brake lines and all that from the master cylinder to, to get the pump out of the system. So I left it there, and, uh, and I actually mounted the compressor under the back seat because there's that nice little storage cubby under the back seat cushion. And where the ABS lines actually went through the body under the back seat um, in a 95 Cherokee, I pulled all those out, and so I had all these nice pre-drilled um, holes uh, that went from under the back seat to basically the space under the Jeep. And so that's where my airlines and all that run um, is through the holes and then out uh, along the frame rails and the brake lines back up to the front. Have you had any issues with the airlines, uh, nicked or coming out? or? I haven't, actually. Um, I know that that's kind of a big complaint that you read a lot on the internet and uh but generally if you run the lines correctly uh, that shouldn't be an issue um i think if you get down to it most of the kind of horror stories that you read about arbs online uh, if you look you can trace it back to install error oh yeah uh, they either didn't test it or they just weren't paying attention when they ran the lines or whatever um so but it, maybe i've been lucky i don't know but but i haven't had any of those issues like i said um, since the compressor is kind of mounted more to the rear uh, and the lockers up front, uh, the airline runs along the inside of the driver's side frame rail and it follows along the brake lines and the fuel line. Um, and that's that's tucked up pretty well. Um, you know, I mean, if, if something got up there and took out my ARB airline, uh, I'd probably have a lot more issues uh, to worry about than just the airline. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, so it, it runs along the frame rail and then it goes up to uh, the upper control arm on the driver's side and it runs along that upper arm. So it's really well protected um, and uh, we haven't had any issues with it. Wonderful. Hey, uh, getting back to uh, Jeep and Outfitters, uh, what kind of products do you guys carry? Um, we carry just about everything. Um, I mean, you name it, we can probably get it. Um, and if we can't get it, you know, I, I can try and recommend a place to uh, to send you to or recommend you to. But, I mean, if you're looking at suspensions, uh, you know, we've got suspensions, rocker guards, skid plates, um, winches, recovery gear, synthetic winch lines, roof racks, lights, headlights, uh, you know, engine upgrades, exhaust, uh, just about everything. So, what about axle shafts, gears all that good stuff. What about the LED uh, off-road lights? Yes, uh, we carry those. Um, Rigid Industries, uh, they make some awesome stuff. We carry them. Um, they're actually part of our, our big 10-year uh, anniversary sale, so if anybody's interested in them, um, through the first you can get 10% off any of those lights. Uh, been a big fan of those. Uh, the new uh, truck light LED headlights, we can get those as well. I don't think I've got them up on our website yet, uh, but we carry them. Um, and 
ARB, the, the IPF headlights, you know, all that stuff. I've got IPF headlights on Big Red. Uh, we've been running those for a number of years, been really happy with those. Uh, they're considerably cheaper than the LEDs, but uh, pretty much a, a lot of people are moving towards um, LEDs, both in headlights and um, auxiliary off-road lights. You know, actually, I think, uh, yeah, I got the my IFP headlights for, from you, the, the housings, but you didn't have the bulbs that I wanted, so I had to go oh, put yeah. the bulbs someplace else. Uh, I'm running the 80, uh, 80 watt low beam, 110 watt high beam. Okay. Yeah. But, because I figured if they, if people can blind me with those damn blue headlights, I can, <laughs> I can, <laughs> I can blind them with the old time yellow headlights. <laughs> yep. That's right. And actually I think that they see more stars than yellow anyway. Uh, right. yeah, those things are, are really nice. Um, the, um, uh, I don't know, the ARB bought IPF, is that correct? Yeah, they own IPF. I don't know the history behind all that. No, that's all uh, IPF right. is a Japanese company, um, or at least all their stuff is made in Japan, and so it, it's some sort of a subsidy of ARB. Sure. Now, uh, about the bulbs, uh, are you able to get those bulbs? Because I've been a little nervous. I paid, I paid like 80 bucks for these bulbs, and uh, you know I don't anticipate them going out, but then again, I don't like the idea of sitting around waiting a week for some to come in. And sure. uh, I was thinking about getting a set just to have on standby. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Get, I'd have to look up to get the specific ones that I'm talking about, but they were, uh, they were the ARB or IPF, um, uh, bulbs. And they were, uh, like I said, 80, either 80 or 80 watt low beam, uh, 110 watt, uh, high beam off road use only in quotes. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah. I think they have that little, uh, small fine print for the headlights as well too. Um, oh really? The IPF housings? Possibly. So I, I know that the ones that I've got are the older, uh, e-code headlights. Uh, they may have a new dot approved headlight, I think. Um, that the, yeah, they're the current ones are like an MSR or something. It's a dot approved headlight, but the ones that I've got are, are an older style, uh, with an e-code beam pattern. And I think there was something on there that said like, off-road use only or something but well i guess they have to say that if if, if it's not dot approved yeah i i think so and that's why you'll see stuff like that for like bead locks and other things even though it's perfectly fine to run them on on the street um if they don't have a dot certification i think they do have to have that little disclaimer um yeah as far as the bulbs go i'm, I'm certain that we can get them for you um you know just let me know any details especially if you've got a part number or something yeah, I'll go um, back. I have all that information. I'll go back and find it, and I'll shoot you a message about that. So, yeah, so there you yeah. go, folks. All you have to do is uh, is uh, give him some information and let him work his magic. Oh yeah, I mean we. I try and get as much stuff up on our website as I can, um, but a lot of it is, you know, if I've got time to put stuff up, if someone comes in and orders something, you know, I'll toss it on there. So I mean, there's probably literally thousands, if not tens of thousands, of parts that we can get that I just haven't gotten loaded up on our website. Um, so if anybody out there is looking for something, you don't see it on our site, um, send me an email, send me a PM on the forum, give us a call. Chances are we can get it. Uh, we just don't have it loaded on the website yet. You know what? Uh, you certainly don't have to, but here's a suggestion for you. You ought to put up a post on xjtalk.com. Uh, what part do you need? <laughs> okay. Yeah, no, that's a great idea. And I, I've done that, uh, on some other forums in the past, I think, you know, um, asking about, Hey, you know, what are people looking for? Um, that either you haven't seen on our website or you're just looking for in general uh, to make sure that, you know, we've got what people are looking for listed and it's easy to find. 
So let me ask you, you mentioned beadlocks, and that's something that I've I've wanted on mine. Of course, uh, uh, Steve, 4.3LXJ, says, no, 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 get the Ston, uh, I'm probably mispronouncing that, the internal beadlocks. And, uh, but they don't look as cool, Steve, the, <laughs> the little ring with all the little bolts that literally looks cool. Yeah. Um, so do you run bead locks on uh, any of your Jeeps? Uh, we did in the past. Uh, I don't have them now. Um, this was, it was back in 07. Um, my wife and I had been trying to have kids, not having much luck. And we were like, you know what? We're just going to take a break and we're going to make 07 our year. And so, um, we, we spent some money. We got a set of 36-inch bias ply, IROC tires. Uh, we got a set of trail-ready bead locks. You know, we had all these trips planned for 07. That was going to be, you know, we're going to wheel all year long. We're going to go to all these different places. And in February, we found out that we were pregnant. <laughs> so That's great. Like, oh, okay. <laughs> Miracle. They, your, your prayers were answered. <laughs> yeah, they were. Just you just had to spend we a bunch of money first. <laughs> yeah. So, um so we did, we used the IROX um, for about a year and a half and, uh, it got to be that they were just kind of sitting around. Um, and we only bought one set. And the funny thing was because at that point I had, um, swapped back to a, a Dana 30 in the front of my Cherokee so that the TJ and the Cherokee both ran the same bolt pattern. Uh, and since they were built similarly, they're like, Hey, we only ever take one Jeep out. Let's buy, let's spend a little bit more money instead of buying two sets of tires, we'll buy one really nice set of trail tires and bead locks. Mm -hmm. And then whatever Jeep we're going to take out, we'll just swap those onto that Jeep. Great idea. And so that's what we did. And it worked out really well. Um, but then as the kiddos started getting older and then, um, after our daughter was born, our second child, um, it was like, well, we just don't have the time, uh, to really go out, uh, that we used to. And so we ended up selling, um, the tires to a friend of ours from our forum. Um, who lives out in California. So um, I kind of get to check up on my old tires every now and then because he posts pictures of, he takes them out and he, he wheels the trails like the hammers and, and all that stuff. Oh, and so I get to see those tires, you know, really getting used out there. Um, but uh, like I said, we had the trail-ready bead locks. And one of the reasons why I went with them, we went with the ones that had the big fat ring on there. Yeah, um, I like that. Yeah, and so... The Ston internal bead locks work a little bit better as far as a bead lock because you get both inner and outer um, bead locks. Whereas with most traditional um, wheels, it's only an outer bead lock. Right. Uh, and so you still got um, the chance to uh, break the inner bead, or as I discovered once when I parked uh, the TJ kind of funky, um, you can just burp air out and lose air that way without actually fully breaking the bead you can kind of pop it loose in, in places and, <laughs> and uh, lose air that way. A value-added thing. Hey, I'm losing air, but I don't have any. <laughs> there's no reason for me to. Yeah, under right. under um, under pressure, it would uh, open up. That's interesting. Yeah, so we, we were on the trail and literally parked in the middle of the trail, um, everybody to stop and eat lunch. And so um, we were parked for about 20 minutes or so, and we all started to get back in our Jeeps, and someone's like, hey, your tire looks flat. I was like, Oh, you know, we've got bead locks. I only run six PSI. I was like, no, I really think it's flat. And I looked, I was like, oh, shit. You know, I was like, it's flat. <laughs> and uh, just because of the way that I had parked, um, I'd actually popped the bead loose in one piece on the inside, and it was just leaking air out as it was sitting there. Oh, wow. So, See, I figured it was under, under the strain and the torque. It was just because of the way it was sitting and the low PSI. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah. It, the, it actually caused the inside 
the inner uh, wall of the tire to flex off of the wheel. Mm-hmm. And uh, so it just started losing air that way. So in that respect, internal bead locks um, or double bead locks like the Stazworks wheels and some of those others. Um, and the, uh, was it the Rock Monster Hutchinson, uh, the two-piece wheels with the internal bead lock ring. Uh, those actually work better for holding the bead. Uh, but one of the reasons why uh, we specifically went with a wheel with uh, an external ring and a big fat ring was the problem. The biggest problem that we had with tires and wheels uh, previously was just chewing up the outside of the rim, um, catching it on rocks and, and stuff like that. And so uh, if you were to look at, because we ran some just the cheap black steel wagon wheels, uh, both on our TJ and the XJ. And uh, so those were just chewed up and munched up from scraping on rocks and all that. And, uh, and at one point, I actually bent, uh, bent the, lip of, the outside lip of one of my wheels out so far that you could put two fingers between the wheel and the, and the bead of the tire. Oh, my goodness. Uh, so we had to uh, break out a BFH and uh, <laughs> hammer the wheel back into shape. Yeah. Well, that's the nice thing about the steel ones is that you can do that. Yeah. Yeah, as opposed to some of the aluminum ones where if you hit it hard enough, you'll actually break part of the wheel off. Right. Um, but that was kind of one of the driving factors, really the driving factor as to why we got uh, beadlock rims with big, wide rings was not only did I want a beadlock tire or a beadlock wheel to keep the tire on so we could run lower pressures, I wanted something with a big rock ring to protect the wheel. Sure. Uh, so, and if you looked at those wheels when we sold them, you'd understand why, because those rings were, were pretty scarred up. So, and really though, it comes down to personal preference and how you use your Jeep. If we ever did get another set of bead locks, I'd absolutely get a set with the rock ring on the outside with that, with that style, just because I know that when we go out, our tires and our wheels are going to get um, eaten up in the rocks. So... So you say you had the the eye rocks. Is there? Uh, I guess those survived the the rock rash pretty well. Then, yeah, yeah, we were really happy with those tires, um, especially at, at low psi and with the bias ply. I mean, they they wrapped around rocks. They crawled up everything. Um, we never never had a cut sidewall or anything like that. So we were pretty happy with them. Have you uh, run other tires and had uh, similar? Um had this, uh, you know, similar, uh, experience, uh, with those tires. I mean, like the, the BFGs, I think the BFGs are, are a real popular tire, but I've heard that the, the sidewalls are weak. Um, yeah, the, we've got BFGs on our JK. Um, and we used to run BFGs, uh, on the TJ and on big red. And, uh, I did cut a sidewall, uh, back when I had a set of 33s, um, uh, sliced a sidewall on the, the 33 BFGs. Um, I'm trying to think. We never really sliced one um, on our TJ, uh, but we did have some cuts and nicks and stuff. Um, so they survive. On, they survive pretty well. I mean, I would assume yeah, they, they, they've done pretty well. Um, I guess it just depends. Uh, it's like most things. Sometimes you stump your toe. Sometimes you don't. Yeah, um, I, I will say that we've had better luck with uh, the Goodyear MTRs that we've got on the Jeeps now. Um, than we did with the BFGs. Are those um, the ones with the Kevlar sides? Actually, no. We've got the old-style MTRs, mm-hmm. um, and so the tires are very old on Big Red, actually, now. Um, 
but I, I really wasn't a fan of the look of the tires. And I know you're not really supposed to judge a tire by its looks, but oh, hell, the, hell with that. Tires are fun to yeah. buy the smell, the look, the whole, the everything. I love them. Yeah. So, but, um, I'd run the BFG, the old style mud terrains and was never really happy with the tread wear that I got out of them. Um, and at that time they didn't really have any sidewall tread. And so then Goodyear came out with their MTRs. Um, I saw those, read some reviews and I was like, man, these are the tires. Uh, so we bought a set of 10, 35 inch, 1250, uh, Goodyear MTRs and outfitted both of our Jeeps with those and really loved those tires. Um, but when they went to the Kevlar design, I, I really wasn't, uh, impressed with the tread design, mm -hmm. uh, particularly on the sidewall. Uh, just because of where we run the rocks out in hot springs and some other places and running low PSI, I really wanted big, heavier, uh, sidewall tread. Sure. And, uh, so when we got our JK and we decided to go up a tire size in it, uh, we decided to go with, uh, the BFG KM2s. Um, part of that though, was at the time, if you scored a set of, uh, MTR Kevlar's, man, go buy a lottery ticket cause you were lucky. Um, <laughs> I, did. At, at, I had no idea. I didn't know they were that popular. Yeah, there for quite a while. Um, and it's only probably been, um, I guess maybe about two years. They were almost, you almost couldn't get a hold of them unless you like, quote unquote, knew somebody, you know, or you had connections. Mm -hmm. uh, or, or you kept, a, kept an eye out on the Walmart parking lot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, so... Um, so that kind of played into a little bit of the decision to go back to BFGs on our JK was simply the, the lack of availability, uh, of the Kevlar's amazing. But, uh, but you know, we haven't, I haven't officially sliced a sidewall on the BFGs on our JK. Um, but I have had one, uh, road hazard replaced, uh, because the sidewall got chunked out deep enough uh, that when we took it back to the tire place, they replaced it under warranty. Mm-hmm. Well, that's um, great. So, and I do have one of the tires has a pretty good cut, but it's still holding air. Um, and I'm not overly concerned about it. Uh, but if you, if you air down and, and it's sitting on that part of the tire, there's a, a pretty good vertical cut in it. Um, but I mean, pretty much as long as you stay with the big name tires, you'll probably be okay. Um, the one tire that I would stay away from, um, is pro comp. Um, just because I'm, I'm so many people with pro comp tires that have sliced sidewalls, but, but other than that, you know, get what you like, get what looks good. Well, excellent. I mean, uh, I've keep, kept you here a lot longer than what I had anticipated, but that's what happens whenever you have uh, uh, good information and good conversation. Uh, so to wrap things up, Jason, is there uh, uh, we've mentioned the site, but why don't you go through your, uh, your list of, uh, uh, your site, your forums, your, uh, how people can contact you, uh, Facebook, Twitter. If you, if you do the Twitter, I think you're on Twitter. I'm, I'm on Twitter. Um, I don't tweet quite as often as I'd like to. Um, as far as the social media goes, Facebook is probably, uh, where I spend most of my time. Um, and you can just look up Jeep and Outfitters on Facebook and you ought to be able to find us. Um, I'm Jeep and Outfitter without the S on Twitter, uh, just because, it was one character too long for the, the whole Twitter handle. <laughs> of course. Uh, so. <laughs> of course. Uh, Murphy's Law strikes again. Yep. I was like, oh, come on. <laughs> uh, so, but I'm, I'm on most of the big forums. 
you know, obviously XJ Talk. I'm also on um, uh, our forum, jeepin.com. Uh, that's kind of the original site. It's kind of transitioned more to a blog site, but we've got a forum there. Um, I'm on Naxja forum, and I mean, you know, you list all the big name forums. I'm on there, and I'm usually under either Jeep and Jason, Jeep and Outfitters, or on some of the older forums, Jason, aka Jeepin.com. Um, kind of wish I hadn't gone with that one on some of those, but that's all right. That was <laughs> it happens. Yeah, back in the old, old days. Um, so, but, um, you know, you can also, any of those forums that people are on, they can send me PMs, they can email us. Um, our email address is info at jeepandoutfitters.com. Um, they can give us a call. Uh, phone line for the business is 972-221-5286. Uh, we will be closed Christmas Eve, or not Christmas Eve, New Year's Eve and New Year's Day. Um as far as answering the phones, but I've always got my phone on me. Uh, it's a smartphone, so I'm checking email, uh, you know, all the time. So, I mean, if people want to get in touch with us, send me an email, send me a PM on the forum, send me a, a direct message on Twitter or Facebook, um, and I usually try and respond as quick as I can. So, well, actually, sure. actually, getting this interview going since we were having some email issues, I sent yeah. uh, <laughs> I sent Jason a, a message on uh, Facebook, and he did respond right back. So. Uh, he ain't kidding. It worked out really well. And also too, guys, remember, uh, Jason is a long time supporter vendor of xjtalk.com and, and not one of the cheap packages either. So, <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> make sure that whenever you're thinking about making purchases, uh, for your Jeep to consider, uh, Jeep and outfitters.com uh, simply because he helps keep xjtalk.com going. Thank you. I, I appreciate that. And, uh, you know, like you said, we get most of our, most of our businesses from the forums. Um, I wish I had time to spend more in kind of some of the general forums and, and talking and stuff like that. I'm now I'm, I'm good if I, uh, keep my posts up to date in the vendor forums. Um, you know, but like I said, since most of our customers, that's kind of how we got started was on the forums. I've always tried to support the forums as much as I can, you know, sponsoring the forums and, and trying to be involved as much as time allows now. So no, it's certainly understandable. I know, uh, with, uh, well, with the, the XG talk show, uh, it's taken a lot of uh, my time away and I don't post as much on my, uh, my own forum as much as I used to. So I, uh, I can only imagine how it is getting pulled in uh, multiple directions by multiple people, uh, all wanting their, their product and wanting it in a timely manner and, and probably wanting a discount at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that, that happens every now and then so but you know I, I can't blame them. you know the economy's down still a little bit so everybody's trying to look for a good deal so so and, have, you, uh, have y'all noticed a big drop in sales uh, because of the economy yeah yeah uh we took a pretty big hit in 2007 so we're we're still kind of working on recovering from that but you know i mean we're celebrating our 10-year anniversary we're still around we're still going so you know when when a lot of places friends of ours even um, that ran similar shops, they've had to close down and stuff like that. So we consider ourselves pretty lucky that we're still around and still doing what we love to do. Well, remember guys, 10 years, they, they've been there for, for 10 years. They're probably going to be there for 10 year, 10 more years. So that's uh, what we're hoping. Go, that's uh, the plan. go deal with the people that have been around because uh, they're the ones that are going to be able to help you in the future. Well, Jason, thanks a lot. And, uh, you guys have a, a great new year. Hopefully Christmas was good. And, uh, uh, man, don't drive around on that tire cut like that. Go get, go get that thing warranted or something. That, that scares yeah, me. Yeah, I, I probably need to. So. <laughs> All 
You know what's you know what's going to happen. The wife is going to be the one driving it when it happens too. Oh yeah. Oh, don't even make me think about that. Yeah. So <laughs> well, see, the tires are getting they're nearly bald now, so it's about time ah. to get new tires. And we've been debating on whether to go up to thirty seven. So you know they'll get replaced here pretty soon. I, I, I like I like the way you think about tires. <laughs> just let's get bigger and bigger and bigger. It's just I love big yeah. tires. Uh, I just I've been. I wanted to go 35s on my XJ, but all the stuff I'd heard with uh, the steering, the unibody cracks, uh, yada, yada, yada. So I pretty much resigned myself to 33s. And, you know, they're damn big tires. So I don't yeah, know. And if, if the 33s are getting you every, everywhere you want to go on the trail and you can keep your ego in check because a lot of going <laughs> bigger in tires is ego. Oh, yeah. I'll, I'll be the first to admit it. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, then, then stick with what works, especially if you've kind of got your XJ tuned in. And it's working really well. Um, you know, if you look at Big Red, I haven't changed that Jeep in nearly 10 years because when I finally redid it back in 2002, um, it kind of, I like to evolve my Jeeps at, over time, you know. And so, not that it's the ultimate Cherokee, but it works really, really well for me uh, and for what we use it for. And so, I haven't really felt the need to change it. No, I don't blame you. Uh, that's amazing too. It's that's a. I think that's the only time you're going to hear it from anybody that they actually got their their the, all the modifications done on the Jeep, especially uh, well, especially when it's that no no. If it's There's, if it's sitting there for ten years unchanged, you're done, man. Well, <laughs> there's been little modifications and improvements, and there's still a couple little things I need to do. Oh, um, don't crawfish. You just want to you just want to make modifications. You you're thinking that if you're not changing something, it's dead. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah for a long time that's exactly what i thought uh, before i got busy with kids and dogs and being married and all that it was like if i wasn't doing something if i wasn't wrenching on my jeep once a week i i got antsy it was like i gotta do something you know but but now it's like man the thing works really well it, it's dialed in and i uh, i can't really complain so <laughs> well that's great well, look i didn't mean to depress you you know, seeing you i'm gonna make you go out there and work on your jeep now uh, for giving you a hard <laughs> time about it well, Jason, thanks again. It's been great talking yeah, with you, you. and uh, we'll uh, we'll be seeing you on the forum. Well, guys, that's a uh, another XJ Talk Show, and hope you enjoyed the uh, the interview with uh, Jason West of JeepinOutfitters.com. Uh, remember, uh, just like I said in the interview, uh, Jason is a uh, vendor of XJTalk.com, a vendor on XJTalk.com. He's supported the site for. Uh, gosh two maybe three years and and uh, again uh, not the cheap package either um, so uh, you'll notice the uh, <clears throat> Jeep and Outfitters uh, banner ad in our uh, uh, bi-monthly bulletin that you get and also to uh, on the site so please remember to visit him and uh, send him a PM if you're looking for something and he hasn't had time to put it up on his site send him a PM because he can probably find it for you or find a place to get it and boy, that, that website, uh, jeepin.com, I forgot just how much of a wealth of information uh, that is. So folks, if you're um, you're in a build and, and or if you're looking for inspiration for your build, head on over there and, and check out jeepin.com. A lot of good stuff and some amazing write-ups that guy does. Really glad to have him on board. He's really done a lot of stuff. Uh, I'm still sad about hearing about them uh, selling the TJ with all, all the long arms and all the stuff they did to it. But uh you know, if they're if they don't have time to go on the trails as much as uh, they used to, then it's it's perfectly understandable. But they do have a JK, so they're still doing the Jeep thing. Did hope for the future. Yep, yep. 
So guys, uh, have a, a very uh, happy new year. Be safe. Talk, here comes XJ Talk all up in your ears. Tony and Josh giving you lots of goods all throughout the year. Talk about jerkies and jeeps and stuff and probably some other things too. So tis the season, this is the reason we're bringing this to you. Here comes XJ Talk here.